Yep. While I'm navigating the internet, uh, fans have spoken, Chris. They want to hear, uh, they want to hear your best Mario impression go. Oh man, you can't put me on the spot like that. Of course I can. <laughs> I don't think so. job. Come on, man. He's a, a Yahoo! Just, just, you know, the fans want to hear it, man. There's been several emails regarding this. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> If you've ever uh like seen anything about that about the uh, the outstanding gentleman who does the voice for Mario, he's been doing it pretty much his whole most of uh the his I guess you could say his Nintendo career. Uh I think Charles Charles Martinet. Yeah, Charles Martinet. Uh it's fucking crazy. Um he tells it. He tells the story almost like every interview he's ever been in. But like he was supposedly well, like one of the last few people that were going to do a voice of Mario. I want to say this was back in the Mario sixty four era, and uh, they had had like a line of people before him, and he was like one of the last people to come in. They were like, "Yeah, yeah, all right, hurry up, do your thing," <laughs> and he just started rambling in like crazy Italian wannabe shit, and they were like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." And they called him, and he got the job, and he has been, like, devoted to that shit his entire life. Um, Which is cool. I mean, if you're going to be the voice of one of the most popular video game characters in video game history, I think devoting your life to that, it pays off. Yeah. Seems like a happy-go-lucky kind of person anyway, but, I mean, he's very devoted to the part. Very, uh, very positive spirited person. Counterpoint, I mean, I don't even, I don't know the guy who does the voice to Sonic, so there's that. Is there even only one or has it been several? I, I, I think there's been several. Cause there's been, I mean, there's been cartoons. I mean, if, if we're take if, if we're just taking the video games themselves, yeah. I think Mario uh Mario Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 had the same voice actor but the ones after that I don't I don't know. I don't I think Sonic o, Sonic o 06 had a, had this I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't want to butcher the already butchered franchise. The uh wiki says there are 3 English <clears throat> voice actors. Yeah, I could buy that. Five. Whereas, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, whereas Mario's had one pretty much <laughs> forever. I mean, granted, there is, there, there's another difference between Sonic and Mario as far as voice acting goes. Mario doesn't really have a lot of spoken dialogue. He doesn't have long, drawn-out narratives, whereas Sonic in several games has had Lots of dialogue. Right. Maybe not exactly Shakespeare-worthy, but he's had a lot of dialogue compared to Mario. Still. Cool. What's your, uh... What's your 2017 take on Sonic? Uh, that latest game they did looks pretty good. The other ones for, like, the last four years suck or something like that. 
He's definitely not talking about Sonic uh, Forces, by the way, which just came out. <laughs> I think Sonic Mania is the title. Yeah, Sonic Mania. Yeah, I've got it in my wish list. Uh, definitely want to give it a shot. Definitely want to try it out. It look it it looks like it uh, it looks like it did what we wanted Sonic to do, or the people that make Sonic games is to take that old franchise seriously. Yeah. Now, I definitely want to see if it addresses issues that Sonic has always had that people don't fucking talk about, like the momentum in the game. You know, having like one level where you're almost going 90 to nothing, you could just keep going, and then you have another level where it's very slow, plodding. Like um, when you go from when you go from Green Hill Zone to like the Labyrinth, whatever, it's a totally different game. Totally different game. Yeah, I think it has points where it's like that, but based mm-hmm. on what I've watched, I don't think it's as bad. Yeah. But I think it's still definitely there. Have you ever played Sonic Generations? No. Very good. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't beat it. It, it, it. Another one of those weird games that came along in life, and I was I got s- swept up by another game. It's one I want to go back to and finish. I played probably six or seven levels in that game. Very good. Had a good time with it. They swap between different play styles, and they swap between like so it swaps between like classic and newer style Sonic, yeah. and. I mean, the graphics are good. The level design's good. Uh, they have like a boost function in the newer Sonic. So when you want to go fast, you don't have to just crouch and hit a spit a button to spin. You just hit a dash button, and he it blurs the screen. It's oh man, it's really good. <laughs> really like how they handled it. <clears throat> now, now this Sonic Generations compared to Sonic Mania. Two different games. Sonic Mania is more, from what I'm seeing, is more like they're trying to go back and recapture that old yeah. 16-bit Sonic. It's old school. Yeah, yeah. And looks good. It's yep. on my list. I will get it. I will try it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Today we're gonna talk about shitty tacos. All right, that was our shitty taco complimentary <laughs> commentary. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so did you did you go see Thor Ragnarok yet? No. God. Come on. Okay. God. Full disclosure, it's been three days. <laughs> three <Yeah>. days. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Um... I meant to get that list for you, by the way. I'm still going to do that. I'm going to get like a top 20 list of like the past three years. Yeah. Some much need. And I do this to my coworkers, too, when I'm at work. I just try to run by some movies that they need to see. Like uh, off the top of my head, have you ever heard of or seen the movie? I think it came out in 2016 called Whiplash. Um... I think I heard of it. It's got Miles Teller and, oh man, I hate, I hate that I can never remember this guy's name. Um, he played, and I can't remember, I can't believe that this is the, what I remember him from. He played, uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the spider, in the older Spider-Man movies. 
Okay. Uh, oh, fuck is that guy's name? If I could just get the first part of it, I could remember. <laughs> oh, duh, duh, J.K. Simmons. Okay. I try to make myself remember it like that because J.K. Simmons played J. Jonah Jameson. Gotcha. So. <clears throat> Very good movie. Uh, probably would catch you out of nowhere. If you saw a preview, you'd be like, what the fuck is this about? It's about a high school kid uh, getting into college territory, and he is a drummer in like in the high school band scene, and he's trying to move up. And I could be wrong. He might actually already be in college. I, I, either way, it's about a drummer. So you may see a trailer or hear something about it and hear, yeah, it's about this kid. He's a drummer and has a like has a really harsh teacher. That's that's about what it is. But the the interaction between these two in the movie is phenomenal. I mean, both of their acting chops are they've got it, and they sell their parts, and it's emotional. And very good movie. But that'll be on the list. <laughs> I'll get it to you eventually. Chris. Yeah. What you, would you do this week? Well, since you done spoiled everything in the last three days. Yeah. So I was really pushing hard on Assassin's Creed. Trying to get through it so I could actually play another game to talk about. But I didn't quite get it there. Uh, okay. I'm 91% on Assassin's Creed. And it is a very slow remaining 9%. That's um, still a lot, though. It's yeah. still a lot to have to have done, you know? Yeah, I'm 64 hours in. And I'm averaging, you know, like a percent every two hours or so now. Mm-hmm. So I've got another 10 to 15 hours, I guess. At least to filling out the map. I did on a whim go ahead and drop Black Flag into my wish list, so I will have that someday down the road. All right. I'd love to have this. Uh, I'd love for that game to pull me out of the. Uh, I don't know, man. It's not that. It's not that Assassin's Creed's in a funk for me. It's that once I played through two and got my fill of two, mm-hmm. I, and then I tried whatever the next game was that I played. I was like, eh, I'm good. The fact that this has naval warfare and etc. Maybe it'll, it'll it'll like spark that fire that's not there for Assassin's Creed. Because these days, when I see a new Assassin's Creed game, I'm like, yeah, it seems like a lot of the same. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about uh, Origins, and <clears throat> there's actually stuff that. So you come to expect a certain level of uh, story from. These games, you know, you've got the present stuff, whatever happens then. You've got the character's personal story. And then you've got the overarching uh, Assassins versus Templar story for the, you know, ancient stuff. You know, the ancient powers or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be uh, that game. But in Origins, it really is about the personal story of the character um, and, you know, the founding of the Assassins. Yeah. I'm only just now, I say just now, I've seen it maybe a little bit earlier on because throughout the story they do have artifacts and whatnot, but you don't know anything about them. They don't, they're just these, you know, mythical, magical things that are happening and are 
exist and you don't know what it is, but you're like, this isn't good, you know, for them to have. Uh, so I'm just going to throw it in a box, you know, and hide it. Not yeah. that, you know, I'm going to use it or whatever. Um, but you don't really find out anything about the background of these artifacts. Um, but yeah, today actually going through the tombs in the game, uh, it actually gives some, it's not even a backstory, but it's stuff related to them. You know, it's just mm-hmm. this voice talking about nonsense so far. Um, yeah. nothing related to, in any story aspect, just these abstract thoughts and whatnot. Um, which are cool. And I, you know, might have done these earlier if I knew they were part of the tombs. But so far, not a whole lot of backstory on the ancient, uh, I can't even remember what they're called anymore, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this game really does focus on the personal story. I think, I think it's a good thing as well that this game is supposed to be a origin story. Mm-hmm. It's, the fact that it's selling so well, uh, I like I like the fact that it's an origin story combined with the fact that it's selling so well because it means that the game is good and it's if somebody on the outside that's never maybe never even played an Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. it's it's okay for them to have a pickup point. Oh, absolutely. It could also be great for somebody like me who's had you know they played one maybe two games in this series. And you know when they hear about this game doing so well, they can they'll like, oh yeah, I'll pick that up. Apparently, it did really well. Yeah, there's. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, the present day stuff where you're playing, you know, the quote unquote real life person. Um, you have so little of that that you don't need to know anything about Abstergo or, you know, the modern day assassins or Templars. Yeah, um, it's just purely for. Fo- Primarily focused on the assassins and their origins, so they did all do that well. Know, all you need to know is that your main character, in in real life, straps himself to this machine, and he flips around in a room, and then when he kills people, he kills people in the video game. <laughs> yeah, it's really I'm just sorry, a VR setup. Yeah, exactly. Chris, have you seen the Assassin's Creed movie? I think I asked you this before. I have not. I do want to see it. Oh, oh God. Really? Um, I have heard that it was bad. You know, I was looking forward to it when it was, uh, the trailers came out and stuff and it was discussed. Um, I still want to see it despite the bad reviews. Tell me why. Or tell us why. I kind of just want to see it for myself just to see what they did with it. Um, and I could, you know, just go find a uh, Cliff Notes version or something. Yeah. But I'd like to actually watch it and see what they did with it. Where did they go wrong? Um, all that kind of stuff. I have a ton to say about it. But I'm going to save it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save it for the future episode of the podcast. All right. But yeah, apparently Assassin's Creed Origins is doing really well. The buzz that I heard about it is that it sold double the amount of the last game, which 
uh, uh, syndicate, I believe it was. Yeah, syndicate. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's supposedly got like somewhere like a nine, nine point five, nine point whatever out of ten. So, I mean, hey, if this game is that good, maybe yep. I'll give it a try. Solid game. But still want to try Black Flag first. I'm 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 shooting for the top if I want to dig into <laughs> Assassin's Creed again for whatever reason. What else this week for you? Anything? Just more coding on my uh, Twitch bot RPG game. Mm. Trying to hammer that out in between Assassin's Assassin Creed plays. Oh shit! We totally skipped a section. I don't know if I have anything for it though. Did you? Uh, did you have any? Well, actually, uh, not really a well actually, but just some. Uh, Expanding on things we were talking about. Because uh-huh, we're talking about fine. prize pools for tournaments, esports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one I was talking about, Dota 2, their big tournament is the Invitational, commonly abbreviated to TI. Um, Tell, I would like to know more. So the base winning, base prize pool for that tournament is 1.6 million. It's been that way since, I believe, 2011. Jesus. So that's where I mentioned they have the compendium where people buy stuff and it contributes to the pool. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2011, I don't think they had it very much. It was only like 100,000 more or whatever. Uh, 12 is a little bit more. 13 uh, was 2.8 million. 14 <sighs> was 10.9 million. 2015 was 18.4 million. Hear all this money, people. We're talking about video game tournaments for Christ's sake. Yep. 2016, 20.7 million. And last year, or this year rather, 24.7 million. Wow. Wow. Yep. And I did look up League of Legends just for comparison, but they cap theirs at a million every year. <laughs> Only a that million. Is a, that is a lot. Of money, and that's just and you, so you just listed Dota tournaments. Yeah, we're not. That's not counting the, you know, few handfuls of fighting game tournaments or StarCraft tournaments, etc. The list goes on. Yep. Almost every versus game that has a mainstream tournament scene has a has a tournament with a summerable pot and. I don't know. Call me crazy, but even if it's like a five hundred thousand dollar pot, that's still a lot of fucking money. It is. <laughs> yeah, I just think the Dota Two one is really interesting because you know out of that twenty four point seven million, twenty three point one million were crowdfunded, basically. Yeah, yeah. That is ridiculous. I mean, I would say we're in the wrong business, but technically we're in the right. <laughs> business it's our it's our hobby we just don't we just don't yeah. tournament stuff i'm not good enough at any one game yeah me neither me neither <laughs> so yeah i don't have any no i don't have any well actually either i was i was i was at one point trying to look up that uh that the one scandal you were talking about not really yeah. a scandal it was more like where the guy was scamming people yeah. Uh, I was trying to find the details for it because I, I just, 
I remember that one. God, I shouldn't even bring it back up if I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I forgot to look that one up too. Yeah, it was something about like it was an online. It was almost like it was online betting, so to speak. It was. For a, yeah. Yeah. And he was he was he basically had it rigged where he was the one getting money from it. And then it came out to be whenever it would people put he was he was like putting all these videos together like no no like guys come on like I just it's not like that and this it was fucking totally like that yeah I think part of it I don't know if it was this one or not but part of it was betting on matches that were already recorded but hadn't been played live or something like that yeah so taking advantage of that note because he was on one of the teams. I believe, are associated with one of the teams uh, somehow. So he already knew the results, so he'd bet and win, obviously. It's not just the fact of what this what this guy did. After the, it's not just the fact that he did the shit. It's that when he got called out on it, he didn't just save face and just say, you know what, I got caught. I'm a dirt bag. It was more like, oh, let me cover my tracks and let me try to fucking bullshit my way out of it. And he still ended up, it, it still ended up being a fucking issue. It still ended up getting washed out at the end. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, uh, uh, gaming is big enough to where that shit happens too, folks. Like, it's it's big enough where money gets lost, money gets won, careers become, uh, careers get made. Careers get demolished. Feel like in this day and age, we shouldn't have to say that gaming is a fucking real thing. But, you know. You also kind of have to, because people still don't fucking take it as serious as it is. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, one of the real big things of why when this happens, it's such a big deal. Because it's like, hey, really? You're going to go and do this, cause this kind of issue or problem or whatever it may be. When we're just trying to make people interested in this and support us and all this, and then we've got some scumbag over here where people see that and they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go do something else, you know, because I don't want to be associated with that kind of scene or whatever it may yep. be. Yep. There was a, man, I'm, I'm, I, my true colors are coming out that I, that I have no fucking memory when I'm putting myself on the spot with this shit, but there was a tournament <laughs> recently uh, it was, all right, help me out on this, Chris, without right. me having to look it up. There is, there was a action, it was, it was a action, it was a combat action style game. I believe it came out mid last year. It had like a gladiator slash Roman type look to it. Uh, uh you've got me there. I don't Oh shit. I thought you, at first, I I thought it was going to be something I could tell you, but then you got into the Roman thing and I'm lost. Well, I mean, I say Roman, but it was more like it was, it was, it was like two com, it was two combatants. I want to say it was over the shoulder combat, uh, honor. For honor? For, for honor. There we go. That's not Roman Uh, at all. It's more Viking. (laughs) Well, you know what? Fuck you. How about that? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking dumbass. What do you think about that? Uh, so 
there was a tournament. Uh, it was either this year or I want to say it was this year or late last year or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a, that's not really a scandal. It's more like a, all right, fucking guy. Uh, guy won a tournament, and apparently how he won was, and this just goes to tell more about the age of gaming today, is there was an exploit in yep. the game. And this guy fucking won the tournament all, apparently, again, I don't have the facts in front of me, so fuck off, but apparently he went right up the fucking ladder, winning like, oh, like 3-0, and 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, uncontested, all the way up the fucking chain, and just won the entire tournament. And, of course, the creator or creators were there, the, the team was there to watch the tournament, and... They gave him his trophy. They shook his hand and all that stuff. And he was then they were like, "All right, hey man, you know what? You did you did it. You you did the thing. Congratulations, etc." You're probably gonna have to change that shit <laughs> the next time that you play in the tournament because that shit's gonna get patched. That they didn't say those exact words, but that's that's what they were hinting at, you know. Yeah, and it's not the fir- it wasn't the first one he won like that either. Oh, really? I believe so. He had. Uh, done it in an online tournament or something like that uh, not too long before that. Wow. Wow. And that's some shit too, man, to get called out by the fucking people there that's like, yeah, that's not going to work forever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that's the shit you run into, man. That today, provided the company itself doesn't know about it for some reason, you can't you're not going to be able to run on exploits forever. You're not going to be able to find some fucking in-game glitch that's going to dominate something. It's going to get found out, and they're going to patch it out. And e- even on top of that, there is so there are so many factors that go into tournament things these days, like what, what, t- what type of controller do you use? What are limitations on what can you use? Like for a fighting game tournament, if you're going to use a stick, what are the limitations on it? What... What manufacturers are you allowed to have, etc., etc.? Uh, what version of the game are you playing on? May I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me talking about out of my ass, but that's the way games work, man. They're 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 being updated all the time. So who knows? Maybe you're a god at this version, and then that's not the version that we play in the tournament. I don't know. I've heard multiple stories in the past of of uh, tournament players throwing a hissy fit because they couldn't use their specific controller on. Like a fucking Smash Brothers tournament, you know? Yeah, I think those are... I don't know that that's been an issue lately. Um, so I don't know if they've loosened up the rules or if people have just gotten used to it now. Yeah. And like I said, that's that's me talking out of my ass. I don't follow the tournament scene heavy. Most of my tournament following shit is news from somebody else. It's usually from another podcast or hearing about something through somebody else. So I don't know. I catch little blurbs here and there and that was one of them. Uh so in in doing a little bit of research as I'm talking, it was apparently a CS:GO Counter-Strike GO thing that was the that was the issue. Yeah. Uh I can't find the guy's name though. I'm sure I could. But yeah, there was just a it, 
You can look up uh, CSGO or Counter-Strike Go, uh, gambling, scam, gambling, controversy. I'm sure you'll read all about it, but basically the guy was a fucking dick. And, I, I mean, this was apparently a year or so ago, so it's old, old, old news now, but he was basically fucking gaming the system and then got found out somehow and then put out this fucking video... And the video was very half-assed, half-hearted, where it was like, guys, come on, like, I had no idea, or, I mean, you know, I, just, I don't, I don't know. You can, you can see it for yourself. It's crazy shit. And this shit goes on. There is money to be made in the gaming world, legitimately. There, be it a career, be it journalism, be it tournaments, uh, fucking salesmen, I guess. And there, there are shitty ways to game the gaming system in the gaming world, and and cause bullshit. There's all, there's all kind of collusion stories that goes on in tournaments, and they're again, they're found out like any other sporting event or any other any other venue to where people can make money, and it's usually put a stop to. It's just crazy that it, it's at that level, and we're not even talking. That's the player base side. We're not talking anywhere in the realm yet of companies that have the you know play to win or gaming as a service good god <laughs> we'll save that discussion for another day yeah and you know you talk about the uh it's happening in video games it's funny i saw a comment on one of the threads probably on uh team liquid on their forum about the uh scam and they're like well we're a real sport now yep <laughs> yep that's we've what got it takes. this it crap ta- going on just like every other sport. Guess we've made it. <laughs> now, I I did see a, an interesting piece of news a few months ago. This was in a downtime of the uh, end of time cast, but there were talks, and since I read the article, I have not followed up on it, but there were talks that they were trying to possibly get video game tournament s- stuff into the Olympics coming up, which I thought that was great. I thought even if even if there was controversy around it, or even if people turn their nose up to it, the fact that people are thinking that gaming is that big that we would incorporate it into the World Olympics, that's that's pretty monumental. That's history in the making. But yeah, somebody, a few, go ahead. It's one of those things where, as a gamer, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But from the other side, I'm like, really? I mean, I know that esports, big, I, you know, fully support them and stuff, but Olympics? But then I go and, you know, if you actually look at a list of what's actually in the Olympics now, you're like, okay, if some of those other things are in there, then it doesn't (laughs) make, you can't argue against it because you've got whatever. And I can't think of one of the examples off the top of my head right now, but there's some ridiculous quote-unquote sports that are in there. Um, I mean, Olympics aren't sports necessarily, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Athleticism. I'm going to give I'm gonna give you an argument that I heard about this, and I want you for a few minutes to either agree with it, disagree with it, and defend what you're saying. When I posed this idea to different people, the main thing that I got back, and mind you, this was from gamers and non-gamers alike. This was from just random people that I brought this up to. The feedback to me was, I mean, come on, video games are not a sport. What do you think about that, Chris? Uh, 
So I agree that it is. Um, if you look at, and I think, you know, one of the big things is, well, sports require athleticism or, you know, physical effort or something like that to be a sport. Even that argument doesn't hold up against esports because there is a physical aspect to it. You know, sure, most of it's in the hands with the dexterity, which is down, is, you know, pretty impressive when you look at it. Go to StarCraft players that have over 100 APM, look at the, uh, look up a video that shows like, uh, Flash or Jadong or one of the top players from StarCraft. Their, the camera on their hands while they're in the middle of playing at their peak. That's insane. Tell me that is not physical capability. That's not something that everybody can do. There is a training to it. There is a, uh, I don't even know how to word it, but yeah, it's absolutely a physical thing. Um, Sure, maybe not as whole body physical, but you've got people that consider, you know, uh, shooting, the uh, marksman shooting as a sport. Well, how physical is that? You're holding yeah. the weapon. I mean, there's not a big jump to make between that and a controller or that and a keyboard and mouse. What's what, what's the threshold? Is chess in the Olympics? I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm asking you like you're the fucking Olympic Olympic aficionado here. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm sh- I'm sure we could go down the list and find all kind of shit that's like eh, that's not exactly the most physically exerting, but it is something that 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 you can verse somebody with, go against somebody with, and have some competition or rivalry. Exactly. You know, that's the other aspect of it is competition and whatnot. I mean, how do you define a sport? I mean, that's at the root of the whole thing. You have to define sport. Yeah. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people get into physicality. And then the other part of it is the competitiveness, uh, which I think we definitely have that. You know, Counter-Strike is huge. Um, Starcraft is huge. The fighting game scene, Smash Brothers, you know. Just a really quick search here says that chess and bridge are among 26 sports that have been applied, that have applied for inclusion in the 2020 Olympic Games. Now, this is (laughs) an article back in fucking 2015, so give or take that. But, yeah, I I would definitely like to hear... Uh, the audience feedback on this. I'm sure most of it's going to be very quick, but I'd love to know what, what everybody thinks about this. I love, I love hearing people's opinions on the video game Olympic style setting. Uh, the, to me, again, when I look at competitiveness at its peak, which is where the Olympics or any top tournament would be, you can see it in any of them. You can see it in StarCraft. You can see it in fighting games. You can see it in uh, strategy-style games. You see it. That shit gets intense. And sure, you don't have to be, you know, 5'11", 280 pounds, can run, etc., etc. Like, you don't have to. I get that. But there is a... I guess I guess it's the more mental capacity it takes 
And since traditionally Olympics are not about mental fortitude, aside from you mentally getting over pain, mentally pushing through things, it's more of a physical thing. Yeah. I get it. But as far as video games being a sport, yeah, I think the actual Webster's Dictionary would probably be the final nail in the coffin. Um, you see what the actual sport definition is. Webster's, or Miriam, an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Yeah, see, mental isn't anywhere in there. No. And I guess you could kind of, sort of, with hands up in the air, argue that your fucking physical hand movement is an exertion, but I get what they're saying. I get what the definition is. So I mean, it, it doesn't say what level. Of yeah. It. it just says involving it, you know. And the other big part yeah. of it is skill. Okay, that's absolutely covered. Yeah. And maybe marathon gamers have a bit more physical exertion than others because... You know, you're, if you're gaming for eight, nine, ten hours straight, it does take some exhaustion on. It does take a toll on the body. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it. I don't want the fucking rugby players and soccer players <laughs> and fucking football guys down my neck. That's not a fucking sport, nerd. So I can tell them nerd right back. But. For me, just when I heard the article, just when I heard the news that they were thinking about putting the video games in video games in the Olympics, it was more it was less and less like a oh shit, it's time to fucking step up to the NFL's plate and more of I'm glad to know that games are reaching that level. Yeah. I um, still don't see it ever getting to that level of football, but then again, like we said last episode, apparently Korea they're not fucking football jock fans over there. They're video game fans to a degree, you know? No. And uh, we've got, you know, Counter-Strike on TV now. Yeah. Um, ESPN covered something. I don't know if they, it was League of Legends or another MOBA. It may have been that. They did cover Evo. This whatever right, last Evo. Right. Yeah. And that was cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what channel does the Counter-Strike, but they have they keep doing it. You know, I thought it was kind of a one-off thing to test the waters, but apparently it went well because they're doing it routinely now. Um, that is cool, yeah, man. I can't think of it. But yeah, it's, and it's, it actually annoyed me because I couldn't watch the main stream on Twitch. I had to, if I, I didn't have the channel at the time, but I would have had to watch it on TV to see the main feed of the game. I had to watch wow. the you know the the B screen, right? Online, it's like really <laughs> you're gonna make the gamers sitting at the computers suffer. Wow. I think they fixed that after the first one though. But let me ask you something, and maybe yeah. we can. Um, I think this may be a broad enough topic. We could probably save this for an entire topic one day. But if we're talking about video games growing in popularity, growing into the mainstream eye, growing more and more, growing growing to a wider world audience. What is your big take on 
how you think that affects the gaming industry as a whole? Um, I think we've already kind of seen it in the mobile and then it carrying over to other things where you have the things, you know, the end game purchases or in-app purchases, the whole mm-hmm. pay-to-win thing, which pay-to-win typically isn't a big deal on a console. It's more cosmetics usually or, you know, the minor boosts or whatever. There's, I'm trying to think offhand if there's a single game where it was like on console that was straight up, okay, this is pay to win. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there are any, at least mainstream. I'm sure there are indie games that do it, but yeah. mainstream, I don't think there are. Um, and I hope that mainstream will keep it to the cosmetics. I think there's yeah. enough backlash that they will. Um, but you also may see more games, uh, addressing the casual side more and mm-hmm. focusing more on casual players and hardcore players. Um, because at the end of the day, depending on the game, the casual player side may be, you know, 10 times bigger than, or 100 times bigger than the hardcore gamer side. I think it always will be, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, the Destiny community manager, uh, Deej, he actually put out some stats. Um, or it might not have been him, one of the other ones. But anyway, one of the community people, they put out stats about how few of the Destiny 1 players ever completed a raid. So that's why on Destiny 2 they changed it around to make it a little easier or a little friendlier to casual players. Mm-hmm. And that was, it's like 90% of the user base is ranges from casual to you know, whatever you want to say below hardcore is, and you've got 10% or less that are actually hardcore players. Uh, I want to say it was something like 50% of the players never completed a raid or less or something like that. That Uh, is staggering. Yeah, so... I mean, that's one game. I get that too, but wow, wow. Yep. And, you know, they... I will always say that they've shot themselves in the foot as far as a casual player base goes by not having matchmaking for the raid. It annoys me to this day that if I want to group for the raid, I have to go on a website, either put my info in and wait for someone to message me or message, you know, someone else that posts their group to be able to do the raid. I cannot do it in game. Now, Destiny 2 added their whole clan. It's not matchmaking. What's it called? Uh, Crap. But anyway, it matches you up with a clan who is looking to run someone through whatever event. Not even, you know, match you up with random people. It's one or two people can join this clan doing this event. So it's like, okay, if you have the clans that are running people enough, sure, that works. But the one time I attempted, or two times I attempted to use it, the wait time was over 15 minutes. Yeah. And I didn't even get it. I gave up after like three. I was like, okay, I can go on LFG, find a group in, you know, three or four minutes and at least get into the event. Now, how good they are is always up in the air, but at least I'm attempting the event, not waiting 15 minutes to get a clan to help me through and then them end up sucking because just because they're in a clan doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it was a step in the right direction, but not nearly enough. Yeah. If I'm if I'm pulling this back to to what the what I was asking as far as gaming reaching a massive audience, yeah. it it worries me. I'm 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 happy and I'm worried at the same time. I'm at that old cynical age where I feel that when something starts reaching a larger audience, it starts to detract from the from what it is. Because I feel, in my opinion, that the more people that it tries to reach, the larger the audience appeal, it becomes, it seems like it becomes less and less about, man, let's fucking make the next, let's make the next franchise, let's make the next blockbuster, let's make the next great thing that people will, will talk about for ages, and more, gotta get that money. Got gotta get that money. We gotta reach more. We gotta water this shit down to where the fucking people at the furthest extremities of the fingertips want to buy this sixty dollar game. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, that that's a big statement I just made. There's lots of variables. That's a large umbrella statement, and a lot goes underneath that. But I don't want gaming to become so big that it's fucking dumb <laughs> you know that it's not what it used to be uh, it's it seems like with mobile gaming that maybe it'll be okay it seems like there's enough of the core pillars there that it won't be that big of an issue i mean look at nintendo look at what nintendo did two generations ago they in in essence, tried to do what Nintendo, the original Nintendo, tried to do back in the 80s, which is put a console in every home. And they succeeded. You know, when the Wii came out, that, yeah. that thing was fucking stellar. That thing put a Wii, a Wii in lots of people's hands. Lots of random fucking people. The commercials where they were trying to, sh you know, show Grandma and Grandpa playing fucking Wii Golf. That was not just that. That was a sign of things to come when that commercial came out because that's what it did. Uh, yeah, you started seeing Wii's in fucking random movies and random TV shows like you used to see the Nintendo back in the day, like you used to see Game Boys, etc. And that's great. I'm I'm happy for that. And Nintendo is a prime example of where it kind of disproves my fear. It kind of dispels. Because look at where we see today. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Switch apparently has sold great. And you still have core games in that Nintendo franchise, like Zelda, with Zelda Breath of the Wild. And you have Mario games, like Mario Odyssey, that just came out and apparently is doing fucking phenomenal. Yep. Uh, again, I haven't played Mario Odyssey, but it, they say it's a it's a return to what you loved about Mario 64. That's what I like to hear. Great. Because when I picked up Breath of the Wild, yeah, it was not a fucking link to the past, and yeah, it was not exactly Ocarina of Time, but it felt great. It was a great, a fucking phenomenal Zelda game in that franchise. I picked up Breath of the Wild, and I didn't get some watered-down, you know, whatever experience. I had a great time. So, 
it may be just me being old and cynical, I'm, <laughs> but I am simultaneously happy that games are getting the broad attention they deserve, but I'm also skeptical. I'm also slightly worried. I think a saving grace for us and, you know, kind of another reason I have hope in it is the whole indie scene. Because yeah. it used to be indie games, what's that? Now it's like, yeah. okay, someone puts out a good game that they're not, you know, putting out to appeal to the masses or to appeal to, you know, the AAA set of standards or whatever. They just put out a game that they think is fun. And bam, blows up overnight. They sell a million copies and people have a game to play, you know, on whatever end of the spectrum could be one part, you know, could be just casual players, could be just hardcore players, could be the whole range. But as long as the indie games are being produced and they're successful enough that these people feel they can continue producing, there will at least always be those, I hope. Yeah, Yeah, look at... uh... I mean, these games sell fucking millions. I, I want to say billions, but that could be totally wrong. But like, look at um, look at Minecraft. Look yeah, at Minecraft. That game, when it started, was a little indie game, and that yep. game exploded, fucking exploded into the world. That guy's a billionaire now. Yeah. So even after selling it off. Yeah. Exactly. Uh. And hey. <laughs> I don't blame the guy. No. I don't blame him at all. Uh, that's just one game. You have a you have uh what what's what's the newer one? What's the newer game? Uh, one the player one that unknowns. Oh yeah, yeah, you got that too. Yeah, player unknowns battleground, which is not. I don't. I don't think that game is that game is not even actually released yet. Right? That's still in its. I believe fucking, it's still early access. Yeah, it's still early access, and it is. It is exploded again. Not even fucking out yet. And in a way, you could pretty much say that game was an indie game. That's not that's now, not fucking Mass Effect Four. To you know? be fair, that's... to be fair, that game is not unique, so to speak. That guy True. who made it, you know, worked on this other project that you know had the same kind of functionality. Sort of, it goes back to the Arma. Uh, custom map, game mode, whatever type thing, I believe. And all these other things. You know, it's one of those games that starts out as a mod, kind of like Dota and MOBAs are. They were Warcraft mods. So, it's one of those things. So it's like, okay, yeah, obviously, he's doing something right, but was it a original idea? No. Um, He just got lucky with it. (laughs) That's the way I look at it. And I haven't again. I, I don't have the. I don't have it. I'm not an early access guy. I'm. I will make my way to getting to that game. But man, that's a. Oh, we just we just tangenting today. That's another. It's another topic that I love to talk about is games that are out in a beta form or a pre-release form, etc., for an extended period of time, and what that is like for the people when the game actually gets released to the public, to the people that don't know about the early access, the people that just wander into whatever game store and pick it up, and they, if it's a campaign, that's fine. If it's a solo offline or even maybe online campaign, that's fine. But you got a game that's been out for several, several months online, 
unless that game is heavily fucking patched, what chance do you have? Now, this is where the tiers, this is where the matchmaking system comes into play big time. I'm hoping that, again, taking Player Unknown's Battleground, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and again, not having played the game personally yet, so I can't fucking speak on it, but I think that's where a lot of your focus needs to go when you have a game that that early, out for so long, that early, before the public gets their hands on it. Because if Chris has played PUBG for seven months solid and he knows all the tricks, when I go buy the game brand new, I can't compete against him. There's no fucking way. He knows all five of the maps. He knows he knows all the tricks. He knows how to fucking jump out the plane at the right. He knows what to do, and I don't. So hopefully they've got that down fine point when that game gets released because... It's going to piss a lot of people off if the matches end abruptly quick. <laughs> All right. So the guy, uh, player known a.k.a. Brendan Green, mm-hmm. um, this, according to the PUBG Steam page, it says that he is the creator of the Battle Royale game mode found in the Arma series. So maybe he was the one that actually created it based on what this is saying. So... If so, okay, sure, he gets all the credit because he started it. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't realize that. Don't know if it's completely accurate or not, but I don't know anything about that scene, so couldn't really speak I mean, to it other than what I'm looking at on the Steam page. Does it say maybe if he was part of a company? Or if it was just him? So it says he was the creator. Um yeah. And then the create of that and the H1Z1 King of the Hill. Or King of the Kill, I guess is what they're calling it. Which yeah. is their battle royale. And then he that was a team I know on the H1Z1 thing. I don't know if he started and then brought on a team or if it was a team with him from the start. But he eventually left that because he didn't like something going on. And then now for PUBG, he is co-developing the game with Blue Hole. Which I'd never yeah. heard of. Yeah, me neither. So. I, I'm hearing I'm hearing that name more recently, but it's not a it's not a company I'm familiar with. I actually hadn't heard the company's name until I saw a article about them uh, putting down uh, Fortnite. I believe is the game that just released their battle royale mode, uh, mm-hmm. and it pretty much plays identical to it. It just with their game spin on it, you know, where you can build some defenses and the weapons handle differently. But ultimately, it's, okay, you get dropped in, you have to kill the other players, you have a safe zone that gets smaller. I mean, it's pretty identical as far as the overall gameplay goes. So I can see definitely, you know, they're like, okay, you're just copying us. And again, it's... Oh, man. But you know what? That game isn't in early access. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we we could find lots of games that take ideas from other games and put them in the same game or yeah. put them in their own game. They just they just pick and choose different things and just make a fucking symphony of a game. I mean, and what you 
you look at it from the outside and go, oh, yeah, well, this is something I played in this game. This is something I played in another game. Here's a feature. I played this in another game before. It's not always about making a, a game that has ten things and all ten things are original. It's a combination of putting different things into one game and making it all click. And then the audience having its own fucking fever pitch behind it and just swelling itself. Yeah, I mean, you know? what game have you looked at and gone, wow, this is unique? In a long time, exactly unique. Oh, man, you know, that's something for me to think about. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I was talking I'm about sure all these things. Something's come along, but. Yeah, I was talking about all the things I love about Assassin's Creed, and you're like, well, The Witch for this. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I didn't know that. But, yeah. hey, it made Assassin's Creed great, and I had no right. idea about that because I haven't played it yet. But. And see, I've got I've got no problem with that. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, I am not. There is, there are very few boundaries for me in games to where I'll just fold my arms and fucking pout and go, "Whoa, so the game did first. If I'm saying that, it's more pointing out that I've observed that before and never, unless it generally did it better. Mm-hmm. Like a here's a prime example. Prime example. And I bet to a degree, maybe Mortal Warcraft didn't have all the originals either. But when you play Final Fantasy XIV online, mm-hmm. it has a lot of MMO things that are parroted from other MMOs. It, oh, yeah. It piecemealed great ideas from other MMOs and put it together. And I see it all the time when, uh, or I saw it all the time when World of Warcraft players would come over to fourteen and they go, Oh yeah, this is something they did in WoW. This is something they did in WoW. This is something they did in this game. This is, I saw this all the time in WoW. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But again, it's not always about doing the first thing always. It's not always about making a completely brand new, unheard of IP. It's about taking it and making all those things together work. And if they make it work better than the other one, or even if it's not that, even if they have this other overarching thing, but they have this one feature from this game you know about, and that game did this feature better. Hey, man, the better game just fucking ruled out. It's just all. It's not always. Yeah. It's not always a fucking contest, people. It's just about I mean, having fun. That's why we have this thing called, you know, genres. Yeah. You know, games that are similar have the same play style, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Those exist because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so many unique things you can do with a game. Sure, there's every once in a while you have one that pops up and does something that just blows your mind, but it's usually a extension of something that already existed. Um, and I know you and I come from an, an idea. We come from an age to where used to be most games, most games had a genre. Like mm-hmm. when you played Sonic the Hedgehog, side-scrolling platformer. Yes, that's about all you can really say about it. When you played Super Mario Brothers 3, side-scrolling platformer, that's what it came out to be. If you play, I mean, if you play Grand Theft Auto 5, I mean, it's got, it. there's some action, there's shooting, there are some RPG elements to a degree. Look at Mass Effect. What genre would you call, what would you classify Mass Effect as? Yeah, the it's a it tells a story and people are there for the story, 
But there are a lot of people that play Mass Effect for the action. Look at Mass Effect 2, as shitty as it is. A lot of people played Mass Shit Effect 2 because it had really good combat, quote-unquote, with big fingers and quotes in the air. But it's not an action shooter. It just has action shooter in it. It's not just an RPG. It has RPG elements in it, etc., etc. A lot of games these days can be multi-genre. A lot of them are multi-genre. I actually had a long conversation with a coworker about what category Destiny would fall into. All right, all right. I'm gonna play the. <laughs> I'm gonna play the part. I'm gonna play the part of the coworker. It, did you like the coworker or not? Oh yeah, we get along great. Oh, I was gonna. Okay. Oh, hey, Chris. No, I'm kidding. All right. So what? What was? The, what was the conversation? What? What? What, um, do, you, what do you classify it as? Because we were talking about RPGs, and I had mm-hmm. brought up Destiny, and he looked at me. and Goes, but is it really an RPG? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, and we actually looked up and started googling, what is an RPG, just for the sake of the discussion. Because yeah. I know what in my mind an RPG is. You know, I have games. I know these are RPGs. And to mm-hmm. me, Destiny is a RPG. It's mm-hmm. a game where you're playing a character. You're going through a story. You have stats. You have, you know, all these other things that make up an RPG. Sure, it's also a shooter. But that's, you know. See? Yeah. It's it's the... You're there for the okay. And t- take Final Fantasy one. No, let's take let's take Final Fantasy six if that mm-hmm. makes it any better. Doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But let's take Final Fantasy six. You're there for the story, but when the engagement comes in, when the choice making comes in outside of text narrative, it's in a battle format. Final Fantasy VI is battle format. Final Fantasy VII's battle format. Final Fantasy twelve's well, let's say ten's battle format. It, it, it's 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 combat. It's turn-based pick-a-option combat. Mm-hmm. Destiny, you have a story, but when you get out of the text-based slash movie narrative, instead of having turn-based or active time battle combat, it's combat. It's shooter combat. Right. But it's still telling a story, and you're still in the shoes of a person yeah. or people. It's not like a Call of Duty multiplayer where all you're doing is shooting each other. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest arguments I used to it used to just uh, grind my gears. It just really fucking soured my melons back in the day. Was <laughs> I guess I'll ask the question to you, Chris, okay. to see what your to see what your answer is. If you're talking about, let's pick a specific title. Oh okay. no, you know what? I guess it could go for the whole entire series in general. But let's say let's say we were talking about Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Is that an RPG or not? Yes. Why is it an RPG, you fucking scumbag? Really? Nah. <laughs> it, it, uh, I mean, you have a story you're playing through. You, I mean, so Zelda's one of those we actually talked about in that conversation I was talking about with a coworker where you don't really have the traditional stats and stuff. You have your hearts, you have your health, um, but you don't have necessarily all the traditional mechanics so to speak but you know what is traditional mechanics it's just what's come before that doesn't mean it has to stay that way but yeah you're absolutely playing through a story um but you don't but you don't level in legend of zelda no you don't 
You don't have stats to worry about. Nope. See, see, therein lies the point. Uh, and, and I was just joking, by the way. You're not a scumbag. I mean, you are kind of scummy, but you're not a scumbag. <laughs> uh, I get it all from you. <laughs> I'm not your fucking dad. What the fuck? No, but you know, you, you're who I looked up to as a kid, so I'm just emulating you. Oh, 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 man. <laughs> God bless your soul, young man. Uh, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda is another franchise, and if we're talking about Link to the Past, it is also another game that offers snippets of other genres into the same thing. Top down, number one, I don't think top down is actually talking about a genre. Maybe that's a style, but yeah, not a I'd genre. Yeah, I'd say that's a style. Yeah. Uh, there is. So, what are some genres off the top of my head? So, adventure. Mm-hmm. I would say it's an adventure game. It's not the typical what PC, what PC gamers know as adventure, where it's point and click, etc. But then again, point and click is not exactly... That's also a style to me. That's not a yes, genre. That is. But there is adventure because you are out in the world in Link to the Past and you are adventuring. So there's that. There's action. You carry a fucking sword and a shield and a multitude of items to slay enemies with. So there's action. Uh, it's not turn based. But again, I think turn based is a style, not a genre. Mm-hmm. What is without Without looking it up, if somebody was to ask you what defines a role-playing game, what would you say? So, having looked it up, because, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, in our conversation, we Beat actually you looked to it up. It, fucker. There, but the thing is, there's even looking it up, there is no good authoritative source for it because it is not a distinct out distinctly outlined thing Mm -hmm. you have general guidelines where i believe the consensus and what most people said and what we were reading was if it is a story-based game where you take the role of a character um and we had a little side discussion about whether or not that means a player character or a you know static character like link right you know link versus my character in destiny which even my character in destiny i'm a guardian sure i change the way i look and whether male or female and you know but really what else do i define about my character it's not like anything changes based on what i pick i'm still playing through a fixed story well you Um, know a good a good argument to that is to MMORPGs that we just mentioned. Look at World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy. I think those characters play almost exactly the same, from what I understand, as the Guardians in Destiny. If you're playing a Guardian, then the story revolves around the Guardian. It doesn't revolve around, you know, JB762 character you made. Right. They call you a Guardian. Same thing in Final Fantasy XIV. You are a warrior of light, and the story yeah. revolves around a warrior of light. Uh, and I'm assuming the same thing in World of Warcraft, not having played it at all. I'm assuming that your character is a centerfold. Yeah, depending which side you're on, of course. Precisely. Yeah, yeah you're so, either yeah. a scumbag or a goody two shoes. You know, whatever role you're filling. Right. Well, that's that's <laughs> Mass Effect, and that's a whole other ball game. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's... Basically, to me, it is a game with a story that, again, revolves around some sort of main character, such as, you know, Link or the Guardian Destiny. Um, I consider it a traditional RPG if you have stats and levels and things like that. Right. Um, the others, they're still RPGs. They're just not what I call traditional RPGs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I agree, and I don't think that a variation in that combat takes away from it being an RPG. We know several RPGs that don't have a turn-based textile leveling system. Uh, look at Secret of Mana, for example. They, I, I think Secret of Mana has stats. I think you level your magic and your weapons, but the combat is action based you know you in live right there in front of you but you're not gonna fucking classify that as an action game it's the the reason why you're there is to know the story in this game it just so happens the combat is not traditional turn-based text-based stat management etc leveling and whatnot right i guess to a degree i could see that zelda is an rpg I think it's more of I think that is I think Zelda is more of a early early idea of genres being mixed. You know, cuz again, there is action in it, there's adventure in it, there's RPGs in it, etc. It's a precursor to, you know, the open world advent, action adventure whatever you some you call games like Fallout and uh Skyrim and those, you know, you have a world where you're exploring you have set places you can go, but you can kind of go between places willy-nilly um, as opposed to a more traditional RPG where you have a set story that you're mm-hmm. following. Um, and, you know, those are getting more open world now than before. And, you know, Final Fantasy VII really is the first one that I can recall that had a decent amount of open world, but even that was locked behind vehicles. So Mm -hmm. you had to progress through the story to get the vehicles before it truly became open world. All right, so Chris, real quick. Yeah. You're at work. Mm -hmm. You open up your lunchbox, and there's a a note in the inside of the lunchbox. And the note says, hey, what do you think about Final Fantasy VII Remake? Go. I'm looking forward to it. I hope they don't screw it up. Amen. Uh, this again. This just shows the older I'm getting, the crazier I'm getting. Uh, full full disclosure: Final Fantasy VII was not my favorite, not even my second favorite. P- makes a strong argument for being my third. I say strong argument because it's a kind of a three way tie between Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy Tactics, and Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but regardless. I love Final Fantasy VII. I have played Final Fantasy VII over seven times. I don't have an exact number, but I, I, I like that game. I like yeah. the story. I don't give two shits and a fuck that it's it, it is the Final Fantasy that everybody knows. I don't I don't care that it's popular. I like the fact that it's popular because it got in more people's hands. Sometimes I feel that way about games. Like when I tell Chris, hey, Chris, you need to go watch Whiplash. It's just because I want him to experience it. You know what I mean? 
Same thing with Final Fantasy. Even if Chris doesn't give two shits about a drummer, the movie itself is good. So mm-hmm. if my neighbor doesn't, if they have a, if they had a fucking PlayStation just to play Doom and that was it, I'd love for them to play Final Fantasy to play the game and get the story. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. <laughs> the biggest issue that people had when it was announced was that it's episodic. So Chris, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake is supposed to be episodic. You're going to get chunks of this game over an extended period of time. Unless this has changed, I haven't looked it up. But let's go with this track of thought. What do you think about that? I don't like it. I don't Tell me like... why. So, I, in the first place, don't typically like the episodic thing. Um, it's basically... I don't know. I feel like one of the big things is it's money-grabbing. Mm-hmm. And it's making us wait for some content. Why? You know, why not just release it all at once? Um, and the only reason I can typically think of is money grabbing. And I'm not okay with that. Uh, keep, keep going. I keep going. I need to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I don't like the interrupted gameplay. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, do I wait for them all to come out and then I play it? Or do I play it and then wait however long it's going to be? I don't know if they've even announced that, how long they're going to put in between episodes. But looking at uh, Minecraft Story Mode, I couldn't get into that because there were months in between the games. uh, Three months or so. And I don't really care about it in the first place, but kids like it, so I wanted to play through it too um, since I had it. But I ended up stopping because I knew that the episodes weren't done. It's like, all right, I'm going to play and then I won't remember. And even though I know Final Fantasy VII really won't be an issue like that because I'm, aside from the differences that they put in the remake, it's going to be the same game I've played, you know, countless times. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's another issue that a lot of people have had. I'm going to bring it up one day in the movie talk as well, but we've already played through Final Fantasy VII lots of times. Yeah. We know the story. This is supposed to be a remake, even if they change some things in the story. You know, even if they, even if they do a little bit of, I'd say, plot swapping, maybe plot changing, we know what's going to happen. We know where it's going to go. So... The anticipation level of this game being episodic, I, unless they prove me wrong, I don't see that being like a, oh man, I can't fucking wait for episode two. Or just, uh, I don't think this will reach Game of Thrones level of people like, oh my god, when's the next episode coming out? When's the next sequence coming out? If, provided the people that have, I'm only, I'm only talking about the people that have played it though. Yeah. You know, if this is reaching a brand new audience, then, oh, yeah. You, I mean, that's the other off. aspect. <laughs> I mean, how many more people are going to get to experience that and never played it before? And going back to episodic, will that actually cause them not to play it when they otherwise would? So are they yeah. screwing themselves out of part of their new audience by being episodic? Right. I guess. I guess my long and short of it is... 
the fact that I've already played this game several times and I know where it's going and I know what the story is going to offer. I know the, I know the game being that it's episodic to me won't mean a damn thing, but I feel sorry for the people that have to wait. You know, if they truly decide to go through with this and, uh, yeah, the same thing with me, man. I'm not a I'm not a fan of having my gameplay broke up. Uh an example. You like StarCraft. I like yep. StarCraft. And that very to say that we love StarCraft. Good game. So I hear that StarCraft 2 is getting made and I was like, "Holy shit. Can't wait. It's going to be great." Uh I don't know if I'm this was in a t- when a time and age where I could look up a trailer or something. I don't I don't even know if I did. I think it just got announced, and I bought it a few months after the fact. I didn't realize until I beat the Sons of uh, Wings of Liberty, the first one that it was that that was the it was it was the first one. Yeah, Starcraft Two not, Wings of Liberty. I did not know. Didn't know. I thought I was just buying fucking Starcraft Two, and the subtitle of it for whatever reason was Wings of Liberty. Now, a lot of this is on my fault. I get it. I get it. If I'm a fucking gamer and I'm supposed to be genuine in this hobby, I should have known that. But I didn't. For whatever fucking amounts of reasons, I didn't know that. I made it the entire way through an entire fucking campaign of a game to be told, stay tuned next year or whatever for part two where you get to play the Zerg campaign. Yeah. You fucking, are you fucking kidding me? I still haven't played the Protoss one. Pissed me off. I don't even have the second one. Now, uh, I did get an email because I did purchase StarCraft II Wings of Liberty. I got an email from Blizzard saying that they were giving me the whatever of the Horde, whatever it is, Scourge or some shit. Mm-hmm. They were giving me the Zerg one. For free, I just have to go sign into Battle.net and get it. Nice. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's going to be the third one or not. No, that's now, the second this, one. Yeah, well, I know it's the second, but I don't know if they're also going to include the third one. Oh, okay. I don't know if they're yeah. also going to include the Protoss. Yeah, that's now, Legacy of the Void, by the way. Is the third one? Gotcha. Now, a couple things about this. This is good. I, I appreciate that. This is a pat on the back. I take it as a hey, you know what? We got a lot of fucking backlash about this shit, and we're really sorry about that. <laughs> Here is the second campaign for free. It'd be nice if they gave me the third one and they would do the same thing. But on the flip side of that coin, too little too late. I don't see like, that at all. Yeah, I, I played StarCraft two whenever, you know, years ago when that game was released. I picked that game up at retail value a month or two after the game was released. And I had that fucking heartache back then of, oh, this isn't even all the campaign. This isn't e- this isn't even everything. A little bit too late now, years after the fact, to go, oh, we're gonna give you that second one for free there, chum. Even, even if it, even if that's the re, if that's the reason why they're doing it, it's just too little too late. No, I and, think it's purely to try to get some more sales for the current stuff. Yeah. Uh, for Legacy of the Void, because I don't think it did well. And then they did the recent re-release of Brood War, or the original StarCraft. Yes. It so was I think re- it was... Uh, StarCraft and StarCraft Brood War were remastered. Yeah. And I think that... I, 
I want to say that was only twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. But again, this is this is more credit to Blizzard's. They did give the original StarCraft for free. They just flat out you could go to fucking Blizzard and download it for free. So I didn't have to. I already owned it. But still, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And but while yeah. we're talking about Blizzard, how about those trailers? Oh, man. They have some of the best trailers, I think, of any game company. I remember back in the day, whenever Warcraft 3, the, the not the trailer, but the first cinematic I ever saw for Warcraft 3 was... When, you play Warcraft 3, yeah? Yeah, long time ago. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, back in 1974, when you played Warcraft 3, <laughs> uh, it was... Uh, there is a scene at the very beginning of the game where Arthas comes back home, and I'm, I think this is after the fact, I think this is after he has Frostmourne or whatever, and he walks into the castle and kneels before his his father, the king, and the king's giving a speech, and he says something, and he ends up murdering his father. Uh, spoiler alert for Warcraft 3. I guess I can't really, I guess I can't really say that after I spoil it. No. But this game is, what, uh, 16, 17 years old now? Something like that. So, sorry, not sorry, question mark. Anyway, I remember that scene. I remember that cut scene back in the day. And thinking, wow, man, this these fucking guys know how to make some cutscenes. Same thing with the Diablo 2 cutscenes. Oh, man, fuck yes. And they, they were just getting started. They weren't yeah. brand new, but that's when it was starting to get up there in quality, you know? Because then fucking World of Warcraft cutscenes come out. And Diablo 3, and etc., etc. And oh, my. God, they are so fucking good. They are good. They are entertaining. The StarCraft trailer, StarCraft 2 trailer slash cutscenes, fucking great. Absolutely. Uh, the, the in-game trailer slash cutscene cinematics for World of Warcraft, encompassing, small, and entertaining, and awesomely done. To this day, another one I remember from World of Warcraft 3 was the, uh, oh shit, I don't remember the fucking guy, the... It, the the big four legged winged demon thing. It was it was a cutscene toward the end of Warcraft three where he was fighting the two main uh orcs. Either way, awesome. Awesome. I love what they do. Now you look at that and then you look at something like Squaresoft or Square Enix and you go that's what you need to make when you make video game movies. Yeah. They they kind of hit the mark with Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. I'll give them credits for looks, but, eh, man, I don't know. That's a, I'm going to save that one as well for the video game movie discussion. Yeah, it's I'm it's really building this one up, but it's going to be a big one. It's interesting when you think about the technologies across video games, how mm-hmm. you have Blizzard over here doing these amazingly beautiful cutscenes, trailers, whatever you want to call them, um, 
And then you have these other, and I'm not even talking about, you know, the people that, okay, they obviously can't afford it, the NDs or whatever. But you have a Square Enix who could has the money to do all these amazing things, but choose not to do it. And even other game, in-game things, um, I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of one offhand. But, you know, a mechanic-based game where, okay, this other game can do it, but you're some poor, not even close thing you're using? You know, I can give you a really good current example. Okay. A really good one. And, again, I know that you, I know you and I both are not in the fighting scene, but... I challenge anybody out there today to check this out for yourself. Two games side by side. Injustice, uh, in, uh, is it Injustice? Injustice 2, the, uh, DC fighting game. God, I better have got mm-hmm. that name right. Uh, I'm gonna make double sure. It's not like a subtitle. Yes. Injustice 2. It's a fighting game. It is a DC based fighting game. Look at the care that you could, I tell you what, just, just to put some details, to put some specificity on this challenge to the audience and to you as well. You can watch the entire Injustice 2 as a movie. I'll talk about this in my, in my what I did this week as well, but you can watch Injustice 2 as a movie. People, just like I said back in the day about Final Fantasy 12, people have went into Injustice 2 and taken all the movie scenes and all the story scenes and cinematics compiled into a movie. Awesome. You can watch it all the way through just as a movie. It looks great. Not only does it look great in the cinematics and the actual CG cutscenes, but the in-game stuff looks great as well. You can do this same thing to Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Same thing. There is a movie-style version where somebody took all the cutscenes and all the cinematics and made it into a movie and compare the two. Look at the detail that they put into Injustice 2 compared to Infinite. Now, there's also a big, big difference between these two. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was made with a fucking shoestring budget. Injustice <laughs> 2, and you can fucking tell, was not. So I get that. I, I do get that. Maybe this isn't exactly the best example in the world, but it, it is a very, it's a very present and very what on topic of what we're talking about. You can see two different companies that have the capacity to do something to a degree, and you can see the quality that they put into it, the level of detail. It just, it, it amazes me. It blows my mind. And in the cinematic world. Man, you know, that's a good question for the audience as well, not just Chris and me, but for everybody out there. Who do you think ha- who do you think's leading the movie cinematics? Because I'll I'll agree that Blizzard ha- uh, number 1 Blizzard has many games right now that that use that. It's not just World of Warcraft. Uh but take a game like what's that PS4 game? Take the uh, Drake, the uh, Uncharted games. Mm-hmm. They have beautiful, beautiful cinematics in that, the CG cutscenes and etc. There's new games coming out that are going to have, you know, in-game effects and they're, they're all going to look great. I like, I like when they have good ones. I like when they do, but well, you know, what do you, 
What do you think, audience? What what has good? Is anybody beating Blizzard in the CG cutscene era? I think I think a lot of companies be hard pressed to do that because they do a damn good job. I mean, they yeah. beautiful, beautiful. No, I, don't, I uh, can't think of one offhand for me. No. Um, I guess that's a good segue for me to roll into my week. Uh, I, I talked last week a little bit, just a, just a snippet of sentence or two about this. Is, I can't if old me went back and talked to younger me about the shit that I would say about you know I'm 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 playing video games on one screen and watching games played on another etc. Another guilty pleasure of mine, another guilty hobby of mine is watching uh, YouTube videos that have entire game movies, entire games made into movie format. Uh, just like I said earlier, where they take the story scenes, the movies, the cinematic cut scenes, etc., and they put them into a long format. You could almost get drunk these days off of looking at these because they typically hover around the three-hour mark. It is phenomenal today what what games do in a let's make it into a movie format now i will say i do understand what that looks like from above i understand that looks like oh well you're not going to play the game you're just going to watch the movie thing that's a per game basis you know let's take uh let's take I mean, I guess I could use Injustice 2. And you know what? Injustice 2 would actually be a good example. Uh, I was watching a YouTube channel. I was watching a channel do a Let's Play of Injustice 2. And that got me interested. And I just randomly went and found the actual Injustice 2 movie as a whole. And I promote that to people. Not to for them to make money off of it. But I promote it to people that say, you know, I don't play fighting games. I would like to. I say, well, that's fine. You should watch the Injustice 2 movie, period. Because it's fucking great. However, from what I hear, Injustice 2 is not exactly a tournament-focused, hardcore fighting game like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite would be considered. Could be wrong. Not a professional. Not in the fucking tournament scene. I don't. I don't know. But I know that in the library of games that I have on a list to buy or want, Injustice 2 would not be up there because it's per, it's primarily a fighting game and I don't really play fighting games. Now, upon research, I found that apparently, like I said, it's, it's a little bit scaled down. It's not so hardcore. It also has a lot of unlockables. It, and I'm a, I'm an unlockable fiend. It has a lot of costumes, etc. So, even though I have watched the Injustice 2 movie a couple times, I would still probably get that game. But watching that movie did not make me go, okay, I've seen the movie, I have no interest. So, it's per game, I I can't exactly pinpoint what games I would or wouldn't, but, you know, they're there. Uh, Some examples of ones that I have in the future to watch. Uh, I've heard a lot about Dragon's Dogma. I don't know if you have, Chris. I've heard about it, yeah. I I had that on my list to actually buy and play. Um, I don't know if there's a reason I ever didn't. Or if it's just one of those I haven't got to yet. 
but it yeah. looked really good. Yeah. There is a Dragon Dragon's Dragon's Dogma uh movie. So I've got that one I'll on my uh YouTube list to watch at some point. Uh, I've heard some people say some pretty bad things about that game, and uh, uh, most notably from several sources that if you're a Dark Souls fan, do not try this game because <laughs> it will disappoint you, and that's a big one. Uh, Nino Kuni is another one. Somebody put that into a movie format, and that's very important to me because that is an RPG. Yeah. But I still want to play that game, even if I watch the movie, because while the story may be spoiled, I hear that that game, as far as RPG sense, is fucking great. Except it's for a, me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So th- I could probably watch this, and then I'll and then I'll go buy the game, just maybe to support the company, and then the game will be shit, and I'll be like, well, at least I got the story out of it. You know? <laughs> what if What if I make it ten hours in a Nino Cooney, and I go, oh well. You know, what if I have another fucking near automata? You know, I I would I would have the movie. I could at least get the story out of it. Yeah. Uh, there's Horizon Zero Dawn, which has a story. I will watch that. I don't. I may get that game. I can't but wait then to again, play it. I, yeah, I've I I play Breath of the Wild, and I'm kind of you know large world, open world is kind of a I'm kind of done with that for right now. But I mean, who knows? But for anybody that's interested, again, you can have, you can check them out for yourself. You can almost literally type in a game and the movie behind it in YouTube, and you can just watch the story. I highly recommend anybody that hasn't done it and haven't played the game, go check out the Final Fantasy VII, I mean, Final Fantasy XII movie. I think they've actually had an updated version. Somebody has, because the game has been remastered, yeah. uh, either one. Doesn't matter. Just go get it. Just go watch the HD movie of Final Fantasy XII. It's worth a, worth a watch. Maybe I should do that just so I can remember what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got. I was watching a couple of those. Uh, recently, I watched the movie of Wolfenstein Two. I watched the entire movie of that, which is great for me because I've pl- I've watched the movie as well as own and have played through uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order, which this game was the sequel of. Right. Holy shit, pretty good. You can't believe, like everybody else has said, I will follow right along in that fucking train. I can't believe that Billy B.J. fucking Blazkowicz, a Wolfenstein first-person shooter character is written the way that they're writing him. It is phenomenal. They are giving him and people around him so much character and so much depth. Uh, if you want the storyline antithesis of Doom, there you go. Like, Doom Doom and Wolfenstein both have really good combat. I personally prefer Doom's, and I'm talking like the 2016 Doom as opposed to... Uh, I'm talking about right. the 2016 Doom compared to, I think it was 2015 or 2016 New Order. I prefer Doom's combat more, but hands down, no questions asked. Wolfenstein, as far as story, has it has Doom beat. And it's crazy to even utter those fucking words. More <laughs> shit that if I took back to a high school me, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah, you're, there's going to come a point where... Wolfenstein is going to have a huge story where, where BJ, BJ Blazkowicz is going to be a, an, an integral character in his story, in, in his, in his franchise. Uh, 
You know, it's yeah. it's actually one of those things where I've never been really interested in the series, but I saw the first part of the game played on Achievement Hunter's uh, channel, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, this is a game I would play. It it's would actually good, get man. me into the franchise. It's good. And again, I suggest to you, if you don't feel like playing the game, you don't you don't have uh, I don't have the money to buy the new Wolf, Wolfenstein right now, but it's on my list and I will get it some it's along the backlog with a lot of other games for me to play. But if you don't have the money to play it right now or you just want to experience the story to get to that part of it, then go watch the Wolfenstein New Order movie. You can just fucking YouTube it and it will give you what you need and oh man, be ready. It is, I mean, I'll give you this. It's not fucking mind-blowing, but the writing for BJ in these games was great. He has a lot of really good lines. He has a lot of really good story. Just very good. Very well done. Uh, What else? What else? What else? What else? I'm still playing through Valkyria Chronicles. And again, I, I, I meant what I said. I am taking my time with this game. I play maybe... I'll watch every cutscene up to a mission, which if you haven't played Valkyria Chronicles, you usually get about two, three, anywhere between two and five different little movie animated cutscenes between the actual battle missions. Generally, I will watch all of those, and as soon as a new like mission mission opens up, I'll save the game and quit, and I'll come back another day. I am taking my time with this game because I am thoroughly enjoying it. I am in chapter, oh lord, I think I'm in chapter 5 right now, and I think I'm about two missions in. Uh, for those that have played the game and just interested where I am, I am at, I'm just at the point to where, uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything for this, but I went to that first, I want to say it's like a chapel type thing, and you, they meet Maximilian. I guess he's the emperor for the first time. And then that battle right outside where he's in that gigantic fucking tank, that's where I am. I'm on that mission. Um, I will say this, just as I said back in the day, and I will say this as far as the end of time cast is concerned, period. And I encourage this to Chris as well. Guys and gals, do not expect us to blow through games. Okay? If you want a podcast to where people are giving you five new games that they played every week, I'd say something like Giant Bomb is probably going to be your best bet. Uh, but, number one, Chris and I don't have the money to buy ten games every week. <laughs> Nor do I have the time to play and beat ten different... I'm not the I'm not Gerard the Completionist. <laughs> I don't have a fucking team of... And I don't have, a, I don't have Patreon providers giving me money, so... Just like it took me several episodes, and it was seemed like every week, I was like, well, in my week, I'm still playing Breath of the Wild. It's going to be the same thing with this game. I may be working on a couple games at the same time, but I'm not going to have this game beat in the next episode. And yeah. it's, not my, it's not even the way I play games. I'm specifically taking my time with this game because I'm enjoying it, and I, don't, I have no inclination to blow through it. I will enjoy it as I go. I am playing um, another Steam game that I downloaded uh, from the last Steam sale, and I actually heard about it through two best friends. Is a game called a uh, robot called Fight. I believe that's the correct title. To a it. robot named Fight. A robot named Fight. Yes. Uh, 
well, what's the robot name fight? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris. Uh, it is a Metroidvania-style game with roguelike qualities. Interesting. For those that, for those that don't know, roguelike is a large umbrella term. It is a style of games, and it was based off of a old game called Rogue. I'm not trying to give a history lesson, just for anybody that doesn't know. I was the totally idea, just about to ask you where roguelike came from. <laughs> yeah, there it's it all revolved when you hear rogue like that's R O G U E rogue like they're talking about a idea of randomness. So usually you will see it as if you're playing a dungeon crawler, uh, the dungeon. So if you go into a dungeon, you make your way through, you die, you spawn back at town, you make your way back to the dungeon. That dungeon is now a new dungeon. The layout is different. The weapons and items and enemies inside may be the same, but the layout is different. Uh, the idea is every time you have to tackle a new challenge or a new world or a new level or a new area, things are different. And that's the way this game is. So you have a lot of Metroid-style gameplay. Uh, the jumping is just like Metroid. You have You shoot a... A blaster, just like Metroid, just like in Metroid. Metroid doesn't shoot a fucking blaster. <laughs> Samus does. Who's he? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Zelda shoots a bow, right? Yeah. So, you, you have a lot of... You go to a room, there's a door, you can't get through the door because you don't have the right item. You gotta find that item. You go to another room, you can't jump high enough, you gotta find the high jump boots, etc., etc., the thing about this one is the layouts of the levels are different every time you die. And I'm enjoying it. Uh, you can start to see the formula of how they do it. Like you're always going to run into this boss first, this boss next, etc. You're always going to get some type of this weapon first. You're going to get some type of this jump, this movement ability upgrade first. But it's random and it's, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, the thing that I don't like about it, what I miss from traditional games, and I'm sure there's a design reason why they do it this way. You you have save rooms, but they're not exactly like what we're used to. If you play Super Metroid, when you get to a save room, when you die, you respawn at that save room. With all the progress you made up to that save room. If you turn the game off and turn the game back on, you start back at your last save point with all the progress you made up to that point. Anything that you did after that save point doesn't mean shit right. as far as that save point is concerned. This game, they give you a little bit of the, they give you a little bit more, but take away a lot, in my opinion. From what I'm seeing from, and I've, I think I've got like maybe eight, Eight hours, five, eight, somewhere between five and eight hours in this game. If you make it to a save point and you save, it basically gives you like a save. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a save item. It's like a, it's like a pip, I guess you'd say. So you're, you are, you are able to be revived at a, at a save station. Anything that you did, from what I'm seeing, up to the point of you dying, comes back with you. So, if you make it through, you make it from start to the save point, 
and at the save point you only had an item that increases your attack power. That's it. And then you, you're basically collecting a saved ability. And then you further progress and you beat another boss or you beat a boss and you get the ability to high jump and then you die. When you spawn, you spawn back at that save point and you have the ability you first got and you've got the high jump ability. If you do not find another save item, another save spot, again, if you die again, it's game over. You start from the beginning and everything is lost and everything is random. So it adds a bit of challenge to it. It definitely adds some intensity to the situations because you don't want to fucking die if you haven't had a save point because everything that you did will be lost. I'm sure as you go further into the game, you find more and more save points. And every time you hit a save point, they kind of add to... They give you like a little designation. Hey, you've got one save point. So if you find another one, you have two and three. So you could die. It's like getting lives, so to speak. Interesting. Typically, I've, I've only been able to get one save point at a time. I haven't, I've progressed as far as probably three bosses deep. Um, it, it, it gets, it gets very unforgiving at times. You know, get your, your skill provided etc. But I run into too many times where I get in a situation where I go, oh shit, I don't need to be here. Oh shit, I'm going to die. Oh shit, oh I'm dead. It's not just <laughs> me fucking up or taking a bullet wrong or it's it's usually me getting fucked over and like, oh, well, now everything is gone. So if you are a fan of roguelikes or you're a fan of Metroid style gameplay, this should be right up your alley. I recommend it. Scott gets the music's good, the action's good. Everything there you need is is fresh. And it randomizes things so you don't always get the same gameplay every single time. Uh, it's fairly interesting. Glad I picked it up. And I think I think as far as my week, that was it. I mean, aside from watching uh Wolfenstein 2, I haven't watched any other movies. I don't think anything else really happened. No TV shows. No, no, not a big TV show guy anyway. Uh, I acquired from an acquaintance of mine uh, a couple couple more seasons of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but I've already been down the road on this podcast talking about anime. I'll get to it, but shit, if I could tell you when, I I, I cannot. <laughs> I don't know when I will get to it. Mm-hmm. It's the same as... If you think my gaming backlog is is large, holy shit. My anime backlog is further back. Even further back. So, I'll get around to it sometime. Sure. As far as today's topic. Today, it's another year review. Yay! I need to make a year in review <laughs> music snippet. This is a year in review. Today we are talking about the year 1988. Chris, what the hell were you doing in 1988? Uh, drooling all over myself. <laughs> I, was, I was a year old. I mean, I imagine, you know, I was walking around getting into everything, annoying my parents. Mm-hmm. That was about it. So, fairly, if before I even get 
into the actual games, just browsing through, looking at some of the titles. This is actually going to be a fairly good year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can briefly, again, tell us some of your history with the actual the Nintendo, the old Nintendo. I know a little bit. I know a little bit about your your Genesis history, but tell me yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about your Nintendo history. So I remember having a Nintendo, like I said, and I remember having Zelda, and I would occasionally rent games from the uh, gas station. Um, couldn't tell you what any of them are now. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I know one of my friends in school, he had one, uh, but it wasn't at... It, his dad owned some apartments so at the apartment office is where the nintendo was so we didn't get to play it often um but he had Mega Man. that's where i played Mega Man for the first time and right. a couple other things but that was about it um my nintendo actually my mom sold my nintendo at one point um didn't tell me about it until one day i go hey I'm kind of wondering where my nintendo is you know i haven't seen it in a while um she's like i sold it didn't think you uh, wanted it. I was like, really? Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, so I bought another one later on, but it I don't even think I've plugged it in other than to test it since I bought it. Um, right. I did go back and play some stuff on emulator. Um, that's where I started going through, you know, the original Final Fantasy uh, games on Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Um, well, I can tell you, looking at... Just looking at the highlights of Nov eighty eight, I'll be. I see a lot of them on here specifically for the Nintendo that are like I can talk about. So yeah. So I guess we can move right on into the list. So if anybody does, if anybody ever wants to follow along, by the way, uh, we don't have a a huge fucking rhyme or reason, and neither uh, me and Chris are not fans of homework. So <laughs> we don't have like 30 minute sessions beforehand where we hash out what we're going to talk about on the list. We literally pull the fucking list up and go down. And if we want to talk about them, we do. And if we don't talk about them, it's not that they're bad. It may be just that neither one of us has played the game. So that's what it is. So uh, starting at the top, working our way down from the numbers. Uh, I have heard of Eight Eyes, never played it. I think uh I think I know some friends that could talk about it, but I don't know. Never played it. Nope. Uh right off the bat, one that sticks out to me is Adventures of Bayou Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember playing this game back in the day at a friend of my father's house, but I it wasn't so hardcore in my life that I could speak on it, so I'm gonna move on to one I can talk about. Uh, Altered Beast. Yep. Oh, yeah. Spent now, quite a bit of time in that. Fun fact that I didn't know until my later years, and when I say later years, I mean like maybe a year or two ago, Altered Beast, as many games for the console are, was a port of an arcade game. Did you know that, Chris? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, Altered Beast was a port, and it, uh, oh man, back in the day it was a shit. I didn't realize that that was one of the pack-in games for a Genesis. I just remember that being one of the games that Andy had, 
Yep. I, so, for, tell, tell us what Altered Beast is, Chris. Tell us about it. Uh, so it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up. Um, it was actually probably among the first, if not the first one I recall actually playing. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't tell you what it was about. I mean, the wiki page is telling me now, but I know nothing about the story. As wow. fr- from when I played it, I just I knew I was kicking these guys. Um, I'd occasionally power up into this, you know, wolf guy thing, mm-hmm. and I'd be even more badass then. And then I'd die a little bit later and start over. Yep. Um, I don't know that I made it past level two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually made it to level two last time I played, which was maybe a couple of years ago. If wow. that, um... Yeah, it's not that forgiving. <laughs> yeah, so I made it to level two and died, and I was like, yeah, I remember having fun on this game, but I never progressed. A lot like uh, the plane game, uh, Bio... What was the game we played all the time? Biohazard. Biohazard, yeah. Biohazard a lot like Battle. It. Loved it, didn't make a lot of progress on it, just yeah. enjoyed playing it. So this game was, uh, duh, it was an 88... It was an arcade game, and then it was, after it was released in the arcade, it was ported to the Mega Drive and the Genesis. It was a pack-in for it. Yep. And it definitely shows, not only not only does it show it its age because it is an old-school 16-bit game, it shows its age in that age group, in that generation. Uh, it's definitely old, old, old school. Has some very archaic controls. The jumping feels very, very stiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the graphics were pretty cool. I mean, when you changed to a monster, you'd had a, it had its own little monster cutscene. Speaking of progress, I didn't realize until playing it later on in life. I think me and you used to get as far as maybe the dragon. I didn't know that it was beyond the dragon. There was, there's a bear and there's something else. There's yeah. a, there's, there's the wolf. There's a dragon. There's a bear. I swear there was a fourth one. Maybe a wolf. I mean, not a wolf. Um, Shit. Somebody right now is just typing away in the comments. Son of a bitch, it was a fucking unicorn. Actually, it says. Werewolf, were dragon, were bear, were bear, tiger, yeah, and then a more powerful golden werewolf. Yeah. So side scrolling, beat em up. You walk left and right very slow, and if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, that w- the scrolling would shift between auto scroll and stop. So that that was fairly typical for for them back in the day. Usually it was. Like Double Dragon, from what I remember, in Double Dragon, you would be in an area, you were allowed to move to the right, but eventually it would stop you, and it would yeah. flood the screen with enemies, you kill the enemies, it would let you progress. Right, the little this blinky one, arrow. Yeah. This one had, it would basically start moving for you, it would force the screen to scroll to the right, and then it would stop and flood you. It would also have times where it would just keep going if there were enemies on the screen or not. So, a lot of progression in this one. 
uh, different enemies, specific enemies, when you kill them, they would drop little power-ups, and it would let your character power up three times. And I mean power up not just in strength, but physically you would see your character grow. <laughs> yeah. That's where the whole power-up comes from, if you ever heard it. Uh, he would get a power-up and get a little bit more buff. Get another power up and be stupid fucking steroid huge, like bigger than the rock huge. And then on a third one, it would change into, depending on the stage, a beast. Being a werewolf, a, a dragon, a bear, or a tiger. All of the, all of the monster, all the beasts had different attacks. Like the werewolf, I always called it a kite because it was that fucking triangle, that golden triangle. But it would let you dash across the screen and have like a little energy oh, okay. triangle icon on you, and you could basically fly through enemies and attack them. Yeah. The dragon could float, and it also put out a uh, like an uh, lightning lightning attack. Yeah. Yeah, all around you, like all around your sprite in a big like cloud, so to speak. Uh, the the bear and the tiger. I don't remember because, as Chris said, we didn't. I didn't really get that far. <laughs> yeah, I think the bear was just another melee oriented buff. Just just punched you till you exploded. We'll go with that. Yeah, something like that. Always remember the first boss. Is welcome to your doom. I don't <laughs> remember the second one. I think heard the second that one enough. Was, yeah, I think the second one was the plant boss, and after that it gets uh for. I have beat this game before, but it was co-op, and it was a long time ago, and it was that one time. Again, these old-school games, just as the old-school Nintendo games were, they're not very forgiving. You get a, you know, you die a couple times, you go all the way back to the beginning of the game. So, still, I mean, for what it was, even as archaic as it was back in the day, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Had a good time with it. Absolutely. Moving on down the list... Uh, I don't see any of the other A's Let's that strike see. strike my mind uh, anyway. Nope. Atomic that. Robo Kid sounds fun, but I never played it. <laughs> I see Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. I remember Bad Dudes, the Nintendo game, but I think this is specifically talking about a about an arcade game. I could definitely talk about Bad Dudes. That was one of the... Uh, when I said that I got my Nintendo for a Christmas and it came with eight games, this was one of them. Another beat-em-up style game, side-scrolling. Just think Double Dragons, just trying to be cooler, but not cooler. <laughs> more realistic, more realistically portioned characters. Uh, I mean, come on, the, the title was Bad Dudes, so you could tell this yeah. is an old-school wannabe cool game. The Bard's Tale 3. I never played any of the Bard's Tales. I've heard about them. I think Jughead played a Bard's Tale or two, but I don't know. Bases Loaded 2, second season. I had that game. I think <laughs> that was another one of those games. Yep, I recognize the, uh, I recognize the, the box for it. It's a baseball game. I don't know what you want me to tell you about a baseball game, but it was a baseball game. What do you do in a baseball game? Uh, <laughs> you, you punch yourself in the face. Sounds about right. Yep. Let's see. Battle of Olympus sounds familiar. 
the cover definitely looks familiar. I think this is another one of those games that Jughead had, maybe, and I played it, but it was never good at it. No, not familiar to me. What about yeah. this Battletech game? Battletech. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know if I... this is one I ever saw. No, I don't recognize this one now. Later one. Yeah, I think we're th- I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I think it's a later one. I think it's a different okay. one. Mm, moving on down. Moving on down the list to Blaster Master. Oh, hell yes. So, Blaster Master. In the time of my life, when I went to a friend's house and used to play what is also now one of my favorite video games of all time, point of fact, my absolute favorite video game of all time, Mega Man 4. One of the other games that he had was Blaster Master. So I'd say most of my time, I'd say about 75% of my time was playing Mega Man 4, and then the other percent was playing other games, one of which was Blaster Master. Chris, have you ever played Blaster Master for the Nintendo? I think so. I, I pulled up the page, and it looks familiar. Gotcha. Well, this was a split game. Part of it was side-scrolling, car-based shoot 'em up, so to speak. You you were in a you were in a tank, pretty much, and most the the overworld you were in this tank navigating levels. Sorta, kinda had a little bit of Metroid to it, as in you had to have specific items to progress. You had to have, there was a wall climbing ability. There was a ceiling climbing ability. There was a, uh, like a high jump. I think there was a ability to hover slash fly or float. Uh, and then when you, it was, it was not just the overworld. You also had little, little doors you can go through that changes the perspective to a top-down view. That is where you were the pilot of the tank, and you would go around levels collecting items, getting power-ups, and killing bosses. Killing bosses would get you keys to let you progress to the next level, or, or not just keys, but also items to let you either progress or go back to a place you couldn't access before. The split gameplay was great. Because you had some overworld shoot shit with a tank, big ass cannon, and then you had some dungeon style levels, a lot of power ups, very good. Uh, it had a story that was changed for the English version, something about you catching a frog, like a pet frog. It's not the same story as the original Japanese game. I didn't give a shit. The gameplay was good. I chased that frog all over the place. Uh, also notable for having a cheat, so to speak, a trick or a tip. I think every other boss in that game, starting with the first boss, had, if you threw out, you had two attacks. You had a, a gun attack where it shot pellets or bullets, and you also had what was like a bomb. You could use either one. And I, um, I hope I got this right. But every other boss, starting with the first boss, you could you could throw a grenade out and then pause the game. And as the game was paused, 
that grenade would continue to do damage. And there was an audible difference in the sound effect of it being attacked and taking damage. That sound effect would change after over, you know, like 15, 20 seconds to signify that the boss had taken enough damage and you could unpause it. The boss would be dead. (laughs) So pretty cool old school trick. Not the first to do that. The first that I remember doing it was Mega Man 1 did the same thing. You could throw out certain attacks and I think you could swap the screen back and forth and it would kind of keep the sprite there and keep doing damage. I think I got that right. Again, even though Mega Man is my favorite franchise of all time, I unfortunately have only played Mega Man 1 like two times in my life. And for anybody out there that just doesn't get a fucking rock-hard boner for Mega Man 1, you'll understand why. Mega Man 1 was fucking hard. Like, bullshit hard. Uh, anyways, Blaster Master, good game. I beat that game a couple times. Had fun with it. Uh, and actually, you know what? It also had a book. You ever heard of the Worlds of Power series, Chris? No. Uh, I I want to say it was Scholastic Books that did it. They released a bunch of uh, they were called Worlds of Power, and they you know what I'm pretty sure I can just fucking look this up while I'm talking. It they took a few Nintendo games and made like little short novels based on the games. Uh, from what the picture here shows, Blaster Master was one of them, Metal Gear, Ninja Gaiden, Castlevania II, Bionic Commando, Wizards and Warriors, Infiltrator, Shadowgate, Mega Man 2, and hey, guess what? Bases Loaded 2, second season. The game, the fucking baseball game that I just mentioned was made into a fucking novel. <laughs> <laughs> I say novel. They're, they weren't. They, they were probably like 40 or 50 pages at the most. But, yeah. I mean, come on. It's a fucking book based on a video game. I had most of them and read most of them. I definitely remember reading Mega Man 2 and Blaster Master quite often. So, just interesting stuff about Blaster Master. Good game. Well worth a playthrough. Uh, down the road, they made... Let's see. They made a sequel to it for the PlayStation. It was actually, It was Blaster Master 2. And I want to say that Blaster Master original has been remade, like, you know, like, facelift, I guess you'd say. But I never played that one. I've definitely played the original several, several times. That might actually be what I'm thinking of is the uh, remake or sequel, whatever you said it is, for PlayStation. Yeah, I know the sequel was for PlayStation. It It had a subtitle to it. But, oh yeah, Blaster Master Zero. Mm, that, that doesn't sound right. Map, okay, Blaster Master Overdrive is the sequel for the PlayStation. No, that's not it either. Blaster Master Overdrive is something else. You know what? We'll get to this down the road in the years to come. I'm pretty sure that there was a direct sequel made to it for the PlayStation, and I think there's either been, like, spiritual successors or remakes down the road. Uh, the original's still good to play, still worth it. Definitely a great game for my childhood. Moving on down the list, I don't see any other bees that catch my eye. No. Nope. Uh, I'm seeing captains, but they're not Captain Commando, which I never... I never played anyway. I've heard about him. Never played it. 
Cobra Command, classic Chick Colossus. Did chest. you not play uh, Cobra Command? Cobra Command. Let yeah. me pop it up on another screen and see if maybe the see if maybe the title or the cover looks familiar. Nope. Nope, didn't play this. A Data East game. <laughs> yeah, because I believe that was a pretty popular game. Hmm. Um, no, I didn't play this. Uh, did you? No, I don't think so. Seems Not like unless I went back on an emulator. Seems like it was another one of those games that was an arcade game and then uh, got ported over to Nintendo, but no, doesn't look familiar to me. Might be one I missed out on. I missed out on several, apparently. <laughs> I don't see any other ones. I'm checking a couple of these cyber games, because Cyborg Hunter? Nope. That's not one. Cybernator? Cybernoid <laughs> 2? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Don't nope. sound familiar. Moving down to the D's. Heard of Deja Vu, never played a single one. Mm. Double Dragon. Oh shit, is it on there? Oh, yep. Double moving Dragon to the, other... the Revenge. Ah, moving up to the other side of the list. Thank God, I was getting nervous. I was like, <laughs> man, I just did say there's a bunch I know of, but I'm not fucking saying shit. Yeah, uh, we'll get Double there. Dragon, Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. This is another one of those games that I got with the eight games that came with my Nintendo, uh, my first Nintendo set of games. I can't fucking talk today for some reason. The first Nintendo I ever had came with eight games. This was one of them. Ha! I did it, Mom. Proud of myself. <laughs> uh, so as we said earlier, uh, have you played this one, Chris? I believe so. Okay. Another side-scrolling beat-em-up. Awesome game. Of the Double Dragon games for the Nintendo, this was my favorite. Because one, I only played the first one way after the fact. I'm talking into my late, late teenage years. And by that point, I already played Double Dragon 2 The Revenge countless times. And I got Double Dragon 3 about three or four years after I got Double Dragon 2. And Double Dragon 3 was way harder, way less forgiving. Felt it was kind of bullshit. I just didn't get into it. Double Dragon 2, good fucking game, man. Good side-scrolling beat-em-up. Uh, follows the same story as the first one. You follow Billy and Jimmy Lee. And this time they're, they're going after, it's like a, uh, it was like a Black Emperor or something like that. He was a, the Shadow Lord. Oh man, I can't believe I'm forgetting who it was. But the story was pretty good, but the gameplay itself was what I was there for. Uh, yeah. You punch forward, you kick backwards, you can jump, you can also, uh, hit both the, you can, you hit both the buttons to jump, which is a weird mechanic, but you could also hit, you could jump and then hit the buttons again and you do a, like a tornado kick in midair. Uh, you could hit it, hit it at another different timing sequence and they throw out basically a, a, a powerful knee move that would pretty much kill people or do a shit ton of damage. Uh, I remember all the levels. I can hear the music in my head right now through a lot of them. Uh, had a lot of good bosses, a lot of boss encounters. Uh, another good Ninja, Ninja Gaiden style thing that it, this game also had was the cut scenes in between the gameplay or in, in, in between the stages. 
very good. I've only beat this game probably two or three times in my life, but I've played it, good God, several, several. Definitely a good game. Definitely a staple of my childhood. Now, the Double Dragon games have been remade. I'm going to take this opportunity to throw a quick PSA out there. The Double Dragon uh, spiritual successor on Steam, Double Dragon Neon, is very good. Uh, they definitely go fucking balls deep with the 80s style theme, the colors, the references, etc. So, And the gameplay is genuinely there. It's done very good. A lot of good humor. I appreciate it. It's a very good game. Do not, for the love of God, <laughs> do not buy the Double Dragon 2 remake. I don't even remember what the fucking name of it is. But as far as I know, there's never been another one made and it hasn't been done right. If you're on Steam and you see a Double Dragon 2, whatever the fuck subtitle, and it's supposed to be a spiritual successor slash remake of Double Dragon 2 The Revenge, do not buy it. That thing was like $3 when I bought it. It was $3 for a fucking reason. It's actually about <laughs> worth two cents. It's not worth shit. It should That's be given away. For, yes, very unfortunate. The, the controls were shit. The action was shit. The, the whole game was garbage. I was so happy when I found that game. I was like, yes, one of my premier childhood Nintendo games got remade. Fuck yes. Ten minutes into it. Fuck no. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible game. But the original Double Dragon 2 for the Nintendo, very good game. Had a good fucking time with it. Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I never played, but if you ever want to know anything about this game, just go check out Anger Video Game Nerd. You'll find all you ever need to know about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Crazy ass, shitty game. One of those so bad it's good, but no, not even that. It That was actually a very horrible game. I saw Echo, Chris, and I thought Echo the Dolphin, but nope. It's more like Echo. Yeah, so. None of the E's catch my catch my eye. Nope. Next one on the list, Final Fantasy II. Yep, Final Fantasy II. Chris, have you played the actual Final Fantasy II? Yes. Tell me about it, please, because I have not. This is this is your time oh, to shine. Uh, <laughs> I played it on emulator a long time ago, um, and it was part of my. I'm, I want to play through the Final Fantasies because I. Actually, still can't say I've beaten all of them, you know the old school ones. So, I played whatever the crystal one is. I played the original Final Fantasy, and I think I played two, and that's about where I left off. I don't know if I ever even actually beat two, um, which obviously I failed at going back and beating them all. I hear two had a very large spike in difficulty and bullshit as well. So I don't, if if you didn't, I don't think anybody's gonna hold it against you. Yeah. I, I'm terrible I hear, at anyway. remembering games. They have to be pretty amazing for me to be able to speak in depth about a game, either amazing or terrible. I, by the way. Just in case anybody doesn't know, and furthermore, I, I know it's for a lot for gamers in general. Sorry, I just went through puberty right then. For gamers <laughs> in general, it sounds like we're talking down or we're talking dumb. 
we never know who's going to listen to this podcast. And there may be somebody who's never played a Final Fantasy in their life. Hey, you're welcome. Love for you to try some. I recommend starting out with six or seven. But in the Final Fantasy world, Final Fantasy 1 is Final Fantasy 1 in Japan and here. Final Fantasy 2 and 3 over in Japan were not released over here in America until years after the fact. I think both of them have been released on the PlayStation format. I think that's where they first yes. came. Yes. Um, Final Fantasy 4 in Japan is Final Fantasy 2 here. Final Fantasy 5 was released in Japan, was not released here, was released later, again, on the PlayStation, from what I remember, first. Final Fantasy 6 overseas was Final Fantasy 3 here. After that, they just said, fuck it. Final Fantasy 7 in Japan was Final Fantasy 7 here, and so on and so forth. The numbering confusion went out the door. So ridiculous. It, yeah, it was. The fact that the second Final Fantasy we got was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which, man... That's the one I was about. talking about, the crystal thing. Yeah, I played that one. I'm going to talk about that <laughs> down the road. I'm going to have my fill on it. It's going to be a... It's going to be an unpopular opinion. That's okay. But uh, Final Fantasy 2, uh, again, I have not personally played it. I think uh, Pro Jared did an episode on it, and I remember bits and pieces of that. It had the jobs. I think that's the game when the job system finally came around, the so class system. The wiki mentions that they went to an activity-based progression system. So... Mm-hmm. Whatever you used, skilled up or something like that. Yes. But there was no traditional experience point system. Which I'm fond of. If I'm using a shotgun, I'd like the shotgun to level up, you know? Yeah. So, and I know it, I do feel bad that I have not physically played Final, I've played every Final Fantasy. I would say that. I have not played two. I have not played 3, and I mean the genuine 2 and 3. Right. I have not played 13-2 or 13-3. I have not played 15. And I mean, there's outliers. I haven't played Final Fantasy Type O. I think that was one. Uh, was that the... Was that the PSP? I think so. Because I played I the ha- PSP one. I don't have a PSP, so I didn't play it, if that if that's what it was. I have, but I have played Dirge of Cerberus, so yep. I mean, <laughs> go figure. There's some that I have and have not played. I have played X2. I don't remember if there was an X3. I think it was just X2. No. I did play X2. Uh, of course, I played 11. Of course, I played 14. But yeah, there's only like there's only a small handful of ones I haven't played. And of those, I would go back and play two and three just to just to put them on my belt. Don't really have an inclination to play 13, uh, two and three. Yeah, 13, two and three. I actually thought they were better than 13, um, which says a lot because holy one, shit, it's one of those that. I don't know if it was actually reversed where it was three two one, but I think it was two one three, mm-hmm. maybe two three one. But I believe yeah. the second one was the best one of the thirteen games. Yeah, 
And, you know, you're not the only one that said that. I've heard lots of people say that as the 13 series progressed, they went better from the bottom. But 13 just pissed me the fuck off. Um, we didn't enjoy playing your movie. <laughs> it, it wasn't just... I, I, I couldn't... I, I wasn't caring about the story. For mm-hmm. one, half of it had me fucking confused. I wasn't really getting most of it. Oh. But I I just did not give a fuck about what was going on. And I felt like I was being led down a, a fucking corridor until I got to that uh, huge area. You, you've played 13, right? Yeah, I believe I 100% all three of them. Or maybe not 100%, but pretty almost 100% then. Do you remember the area that was like real? It was very fucking huge. Yeah. And it was kind of open based, so to speak. It had the huge fucking monsters in it. Yeah, but it took you like 13 hours to get there. No shit, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember that area. And when I got to that area, I had, and I'm, I'm saying this loosely, I had fun in that area. But. Almost immediately after I got away from that area and got back to the to the next wherever in this in the story, I just I I couldn't give a fuck. I forget how many hours I've been into that game and I just I quit it. Pulse. That's the actual pulse. Ground level, yeah. Yeah. It's pulse. Yeah. Right, so it's up in the little floaty thing. Yeah. Cause uh when you first get into that area you can see these huge fucking beasts. And yeah. they can absolutely fucking one-shot you. But, of course, if you grind enough, you can fight them as well. It reminds me of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles a bit, where you see huge things that can fucking curb stomp you, but if you level up, you will eventually be able to take them out. So. I definitely don't want to compare those two, because I had much more fun with with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles in thirteen. Moving down the list, Final Fantasy 2 was, uh, I'll get to that eventually someday, just, just to put it on my belt and say that I did it. But I hear, from what I hear, it's fucking, it's difficult. That could be for 2 and 3 as well. I have more inclination to play a Final Fantasy 3, only because Final Fantasy 3 had a 3D remake on the DS, I believe. Hmm. So, I will I get actually, to that one. I started a Final Fantasy 3 playthrough on Steam. Oh, shit. Um, I'm about 20 hours in. You know, it's mm-hmm. gonna. I was gonna pick it up a few weeks ago, but then I realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, I don't remember where I left off, so that's why I started playing through uh, eight again. Yeah. Um. But I do need to go back and finish it. But I it's gonna take me some time to figure out what I was doing because I think I was even grinding before going to this place because I kept getting murdered. Yeah. Um. But I'll finish yeah. it eventually. If memory serves me right, I think Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 4 have had a 3D remake. And I know Final Fantasy... F- yeah, so, so I guess both of them are. I guess you, you could find both of them on Steam. Yeah, I have four on Steam already. And yeah. the After Years, whatever that is. Yeah. I don't even know what it is, but it came with you know a Final Fantasy pack I bought. Yeah, they did some... Uh, and Final Fantasy did some compilations back in the PlayStation era. Yeah, uh, with uh, you could, Chrono. You could get Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI in the same disc. 
they did a Final Fantasy Origins, I believe. That's the one I'm thinking of. Final Fantasy 1 and 2. There was a Final Fantasy 4 and 5 as well, I think. Hope I got that right. Anyways, you can find most of those all together in the upgraded PlayStation-style graphics. I need to go back and look, because I, 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 I have Origins, and I have the one with uh, the... So I should have 1, 2, and 4, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't recall playing them on PlayStation. I think I actually just played them on emulator and completely skipped it for some reason. Yeah. Um, I might have to go back and throw that in my computer and load up PlayStation emulator and play it. The Final Fantasy is one of those, and I mean the old, the original ones, those are some of the games that I get kind of anal about because I'm a purist about those. Like, yeah. I had Final Fantasy Origins, but even with updated graphics, even with updated music on the PlayStation, I still prefer the Nintendo. Why? I can't fucking tell you. I wish I could give you specifics. Maybe it was because that was my first Final Fantasy slash first RPG ever in my life, and it holds a special tie to me. But I don't think it's just that. Especially when it comes to music. I'm very music-oriented in my games, and... I don't always like remixes. One of the points of contention about uh, emulators and why I'm so glad that they, they have evolved over time is that if you go to play a game on an emulator, you can tell the audio difference the further you go up in generations. Like, there are Super Nintendo games that I can I can watch a Let's Play and go, you're playing on an emulator. You're not playing the original Super Nintendo. I can tell the music is different. You can, wow. you can just tell. Um, and so even, even if we're not talking about emulators, when the music gets changed, it, depending on the game, I get kind of, eh, I'm not a big fan. And that was one of them. I prefer the, I prefer the original NES Final Fantasy over the Origins. Yes, the graphics are better on the PlayStation, and yes, the music is different, updated, but eh, I prefer the original one. It's not every game, not every remake does that, but that's, that's one of them. I would love for Final Fantasy VI to get a update, to get a remake, but as long as they don't fuck with the music too much. <laughs> Moving along down the list, I see Gauntlet, the NES video game. Now, I think that this was discussed on... I want to say there was an arcade game of this released before. I seem to remember this being on another episode. Yeah, it definitely yes. was a arcade game. Yeah, Gauntlet was released originally in 1985. Okay, well, this is specifically talking about the NES version. Uh, I mean, I played it. This is another one at the same uh, friend that I played Mega Man 4 at his house. He had Gauntlet as well. This game gets hard as piss when, you, when you're by yourself. Uh, I, I'm speaking from a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, mind you game was definitely hard when you played it by yourself. It was a bit more manageable when you played with friends. Played it, had a good time, never beat it. I don't I want to say we might have made it 3 or 4 screens in. Fun game though. Had a lot of spin-offs down the road which were even more even more fun. Yeah, I actually Basically. didn't play Gauntlet for Nintendo. I played Gauntlet 2 in the arcade. 
Um, or one of the sequels in the arcade. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was two. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, no, Gauntlet Legends? Gauntlet Legends, there you go. Yeah. God, how did I not fucking get that? Oh, man. <laughs> Spent a lot of quarters in the arcades with Gauntlet Legends. Yeah. Had that, uh, that was, a, and that, I say that, that wasn't a normal thing for me. Uh, I was, I was keen on Gauntlet Legends back when I was in the military in basic in the AIT in training mode. So anything I got to play, I was happy. And the BX that I was at had a little mini arcade and they had Gauntlet Legacy in it. And I dropped, I remember one day, I don't even remember how, what the dollar amount was, but, I dropped a fuck ton of quarters in that game until I beat it. But we'll get to that one. That's coming down the road for another year. (laughs) We're in 88 right now. Chris, tell me what you know about Ghouls and Ghosts. Um, not a whole lot. I believe it's super difficult. Uh, that's about it. Well, this one, if we're talking about 1988, let's see. I want to make sure. Okay, so this is, they're talking about the arcade game. I never played the arcade game, not even in an emulated form. I played it when it was ported to other, other consoles, specifically the Nintendo. So whenever that comes about, Yes, the list doesn't exactly specify. I mean, you can read the wiki article and it says this is the arcade game. Uh, yeah, it I'm shows that sh- it came out on for Genesis. It doesn't have a Nintendo release for this one. Um, what it? I think Ghouls and Ghosts was the original, and then Ghosts and Goblins was a was a sequel. I think that's what it was. So, if that's the case, even then, I still can't talk. I've never played any of the ghouls, ghosts, whatever, any of those in the arcade form. Not one. I did play Ghosts and Goblins when it was on the Nintendo. Mm -hmm. So, this original game, I unfortunately can't speak about. Don't know anything about it. But, we'll get to the other one when it comes around. Ghosts and Goblins Uh, was actually first... Yeah. Yeah. 85. Ah, yes. Of course it is. Because we already talked about this in a previous episode. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Moving on down the list then. Gradius 2. I've played Gradius. I haven't played Gradius 2. I played Gradius 1. Uh, Fun fact about me. I I love shmups. For anybody that doesn't know that shmups is a term, it's a it's a term for shoot 'em ups. It'd be at side scrolling where you're in a ship, usually like a flying ship or a tank or something, and you're scrolling left to right or right to left, or vertical top, you know, from bottom to top, top to down. Uh. Gradius is in this is one of the well known shmup series. Yeah. I've played 
a few of them. I played one and three and five, and oh, fuck, five is so good. I am not that great at them. Uh, the more, the further you go up in the echelon of shmups, and the more difficult they get, especially with you cranking up the in-game difficulty, they get very twitchy. They get very micro-movement specific. I've never been that good. <laughs> I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could get muscle memory down, but uh, I just enjoy them because they have an upgrade system in them usually. Gradius is one of the well, was one of the well-known ones to have a upgrade system. You can have uh, additional little items that float around your ship or follow along with your ship. They're called options. Not only do you get a number of those, but they can also have different abilities. They can have different bullets, bullets that shoot from the side, bullets that shoot from an angle. Uh, later games have it where they shoot missiles, etc., etc. So the small upgrade feature to shmups is what I love. I love being able to pick a different weapon and blow shit up with it. I yep. never played Gradius 2, unfortunately, so can't speak on it directly, but... Definitely can recommend the Gradius series as a in general. Yeah, it's one of those where I don't know what number game I played, but I know I've played it. Um, that and what's the other one? Raiden. Raiden. Oh yeah, yeah that's the vertical that's the one. other big one. Raiden always. I will always remember Raiden because I think I think maybe Andy had a Raiden, didn't he? Yes, that's where yes. I played it. I remember my, f oh, this is, some, this is some old school shit between me and you. Remember when we used to give nicknames to weapons and it was yeah. not the name? Especially like Biohazard Battle. Remember we used to get the fucking, the, the cards. One, the ca I was thinking cards too. It's totally not a fucking card. I bet you if you pull the manual out, it's not called card. We were, it was Heat Seeker. I remember that. Like, come on, yep. man, I want the Heat Seeker and card. And I remember in Raiden, my favorite was the whip. And the whip would shoot out a long, it would go all the way across the screen from bottom to top. And it would, it would, the more that you upgraded, it was a, it was a purple stream of lightning, pretty much like a laser, a purple mm -hmm. laser with lightning in the middle. And the more you upgraded it, the wider that beam got. That's not only the, that's not the best part about it. The best part is, it would latch on to enemies. It would basically find all the enemies on the screen and latch on and then loop around itself to where it would be It would be even wider. It was, it was a fucking screen. It was a heat-seeking screen destroyer. I loved it. <laughs> but that's not Gradius 2. Gradius 2 was a game. I can't talk about it. I haven't played it. Don't know why we're still here, but we are because I like Gradius games. <laughs> Uh, none of the H's look familiar to me. Nope. I mean, I know you could talk days about Hollywood Squares, Chris, but... Oh, yeah, let me tell you. None of the I's look, look familiar to me. None of the J's. No, nothing else on this page for, for me. <laughs> well, I will check just in case, because I know... There's, they're gonna be popping up. They got to be popping up left oh, yeah. and right soon. A bunch pop up on the next page. Gotcha. All right, we're moving on to the next page then. Let's see. Yep. McKay, Dark X, Life. 
Live and let die. Live and let die. That's an announcer uh, quote from Capcom versus SNK2. There's a uh, game in the M's you might have heard of, uh, Mega Man 2. Holy shit. Finally. (laughs) Yay. Mega Man 2. I don't even need to pull the shit up for this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So, Mega Man 2. This is... I think I've spoken about this before, but I don't mind rehashing shit. Because it's my podcast and fuck you. Uh... I have a very love-hate relationship with Mega Man 2. And here's why. Everybody and their mother that talks about Mega Man games and they talk about classic, they always go to this one. They always go to this one. Now, I, I'm i going to hate on this game, but I'm going to hate on it because it's in my fucking favorite franchise and I can do that. I want to. I like Mega Man 2. It is not my favorite. I like Mega Man 3 more than Mega Man 2. I like Mega Man 4 more than both of them. I like Mega Man 4 more than any Mega Man in history, but that's that's neither here nor there. Mega Man 2 is, despite the bullshit, it, it is a great game. And it got very... It started to push Mega Man into the popularity that it deserved. Uh, bullshit cover art aside which was not the artist's fault. He was given like two or three days in advance. He was loosely told about the game. That's why (laughs) Mega Man has a fucking gun and a fucking flip-up visor and why Dr. Wily looks like Dr. Light with glasses almost. I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on. Um, if, If memory serves me correct... Mega Man 1 either didn't have, I think the upgrade from Mega Man to Mega Man 2 was, one, there were two more bosses, so now the standard eight boss was set in place. Uh, two, I don't think Mega Man 1 had, uh, maybe it did, I hate to get that wrong. I think Mega Man 2 had the ability, had like, options. It had like items. I think one was a a wall scrolling crawler thing you could jump on. One was like a jet. It looks kind of like a missile, but you can jump on top of it. Uh, I'm saying this because I'm thinking as as the Mega Man's progress, I always like the additions that they made. Hmm. Like Mega Man 3, the big the big addition was sliding. Mega Man 3 was the first game to have sliding in it. Mega Man 4 was the first game to have the Mega Buster. Because for Mega Man, Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3, only he only had a buster. The Mega Buster in 4, you could charge up the shot and release it for a more powerful shot. When Mega did Man, the uh, robot dog show up? Rush came yeah, in Rush. at Mega Man... Oh, Jesus. 3. Put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Mega Man 3 was okay. the first one. Uh, Mega Man 4 did have Rush, so I know he was there. Um, but I'm pretty sure Mega Man 3 also, Mega Man 3 had Rush, Mega Man 4 had Rush, Mega Man 5 had Rush, and beat, uh, beat the one shot, one kill, pretty much bird came in, five. And six was, Rush got, Rush could change into a suit of armor to either fly or punch shit with. Interesting. So, but, 
Uh, Mega Man 2 in 88. Great game. Uh, had a, had a, a lot of new bosses. It really solidified a lot of what you know in Mega Man today. That every single stage is going to have really iconic music. Which Mega Man 1 did as well. But you get two more bosses, so that's great. Uh, had a, had another, uh, had a more, I feel Mega Man 2 had a more defined boss weakness slash boss, uh, a boss dropping a weapon that was better used against another boss. It ha- that pattern was more defined right. in 2 and got better throughout the years. Uh, it's just an iconic Mega Man game. I mean, anybody and everybody that knows Mega Man, they always gravitate to this one. So, I mean, I'm I'm loosely hating on it, but ev- everybody knows this one. I wish I was better good... at Mega Man games. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, if we're just talking classic games, I think there are better ones than this. It's just the one everybody knows. And again, it's because this is where this was the first game that really seemed to push Mega Man up into a popular eye. It really, really got it out there, which is fine by me uh the story of this one i don't remember either i definitely remember the story of four and three either way you're killing fucking eight bosses you're going to go fight wily the end have a good time yeah this actually Uh, says that it was the best-selling Mega Man title says it was the what title the best-selling Mega Man title oh that oh there we go that's why uh, it deserves it, you know. It's 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 good. It's good. Since the EGM gave it an eight out of ten, IGN nine point five. I mean, most most people put this way way up there. So, uh, the NES Classic. I think it had Mega Man two. The NES Mini. Yeah. Yeah, it had Mega Man 2, so, I mean, of all the Mega Mans, that's the one they picked, so, I mean, it just goes to show you. Cool. Moving down the list. Goodbye, Mega Man. I love you. See you next time. <laughs> Metal Hawk sounds familiar, but nope. Nope. I ain't played it. Never mind. Cool Did you play uh, Monopoly? <laughs> I actually played Monopoly on the, on the Nintendo. Yeah. I think that's one of of those games that I rented as well. I mean, what do you want? It's Monopoly. Yeah. You played it. If you played the board game, you played the game. Yep. Moving on down. Uh, Narc, I've heard of it. Never played it. Narc, the movie, was very good, though. Oh. Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. NG. Both the arcade game and the NES game. It was ported in the same year. Yep. One of my fondest memories for this one, and I don't remember if it. I think I'm. I think both of them had it, but I think the one that I seen it the first time done this way was the in-game cutscenes. This is uh, this series was one of the early early games that started that idea. Is that you would have a little story, you would start the game, you'd have a little story cutscene, in, in 8-bit animation, mind you. Uh, then you'd have a, you'd have the gameplay, you'd go through the level, you beat the level, and then you'd have another little cutscene in between almost every level, and it always built up the story. I remember this being a thing because Jughead 
used to record all these on VHS <laughs> with his VCR recorder. And would I, I watched them a couple times as a movie. So I was watching Ninja Gaiden 2 as Ninja Gaiden 2 the movie. Basically what I do today, but way the fuck back then. So yeah. Good on you. <laughs> uh, have you played Ninja Gaiden, the original yes. one? Talk about it. Uh, another, you know, For when we talk about minutes, old. Go. Yeah, right. Like, when you talk about the old school games, one of the things that come, comes to mind is how difficult a lot of them were. And this is a series that is known for very difficult games. Um, it's, I don't know. I haven't played it lately. I think I played on emulator when I did. And I didn't play much of it because I kept dying. So. That's all I gotta say about it. I was really holding you out for 20 minutes. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Side scrolling action slasher. Uh, you have, I mean, he's a ninja. He's got a little, he's got a sword. He's got a knife. He's got abilities. He picks up. You can use them. He has like a scroll that shoots at, he picks it up. You shoot out fireballs. You shoot out throwing stars, etc. And yes. This is one, uh, uh, along with Mega Man, along with uh, Ghost and Goblins, the list goes on. This is another one of those games up in the higher tier of hard games for the Nintendo that just, they, if you want to know what it was like playing these difficult games, here you go. This game even had a little bit of forgiveness because it had a health bar. So as opposed to you taking one hit, you can get armor knocked off. Another hit, you're dead, like Ghosts yeah. and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins. This was you had pips of health. You could get hit and take four. You can get hit and take two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But even with that, even with that forgiveness, the level design, some of the enemy placements, the way the enemies would would move across the screen, like bats. There were some levels where it would be pitch black dark and you couldn't see until lightning lit up the area. So on and so forth. These games got really hard, really fucking quick. I have, of all the Ninja Gaiden games I've ever played, including Ninja Gaiden Black for the Xbox, I have only ever beaten Ninja Gaiden 2 for the Nintendo, and this was in my later years. We're talking like mid-20s. I have never beaten 1, never beaten 3, and the list goes on. They are hard. They test your patience. It, it, I, I agree with some people that it definitely, it, it is up in the arguments of it, is it skill or is it just testing your fucking patience? <laughs> um, I want to say it's an unhealthy mix of both. In my yeah. Opinion. If you've beaten these games good, you have well earned your trophy and you definitely have more patience for these, these kind of things than me. I beat one for the Nintendo, and that was where I decided to stop. I beat one game, Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> I mean, that's really all you need, for me anyway, if I had no desire to beat any other ones. When it when a game starts to get to the point of, all right, this is utter bullshit, I kind of politely yeah. just move on with life. And that was the way I, you know, most of my early gaming, outside of the few, even some of the RPGs I played, I just would play and then it'd get to that point where I'm like, all right, I'm not having fun anymore. So yeah, I'll uh, go play something else. 
moving on down the list. I mean, I mean, it, both ninjas, no, both Ninja Gaiden were there, but I never played the arcade game either. So moving on. No. Let's see. What a waste of money that'd be. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Dying over <laughs> and over. <laughs> hey man, you want to come over to my house and play some Ninja Gaiden? No. <laughs> Or yeah, and it, or if, if even if it's not that, if it's you at an arcade, oh god. Yep, not enough tokens in the world. That's another topic we can talk about another day. Is archaic, um, gameplay elements that were designed for whatever reasons, but specifically the ones that were designed to get your money in an arcade machine that were ported mm-hmm. over to consoles that don't need to be there anymore, like. Lives and continues. You know, I always made a big case, even way back in the day with um, Mario 64. I was like, you know, if I die enough, all that happens is I go to the fucking courtyard and I just go back to the level and go back to what I was doing. No. Why is this? Why do I even have lives? Why do I even need to continues? What is the point of this? Anymore? Why bother? Yep. And I've come from the day where having two lives and one continue was a thing, or two lives and no continue. So. Get off my dick. I don't have to prove shit. Been there, done that. <laughs> so actually moving down the list, don't see any peas catch my nope. eye. Not even the president is missing. It's actually a video game. Now the next one on the list that I recognize is Robocop. All right, go ahead. I didn't. I said recognize. I didn't say I played it. <laughs> um, I played it on Genesis. I gotcha. didn't play the what? What is it? I'm assuming this is Nintendo. No, that's arcade. Um, yeah, it, these articles usually yeah. makes all of them in it. So yeah, like um, the '88 one was the arcade. Apparently, yeah. I had RBI Baseball. I mean, it's a baseball game. There you go. I've said enough about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm speaking loosely about it, but I mean, number one, it's a baseball game. I I've, I had like two or three baseball games when I had my Nintendo for whatever reason, and I enjoyed them when I played them in between other games. But yeah, it's baseball. It's baseball. What do you want? Yeah. RC RC Pro AM. That's another game that I that was one of the eight games as well. Uh, remote control pro AM. It oh, is no, a, I think I played this one too. Yeah, it's a racing game. The idea revolves around uh, race cars. You're racing around different tracks. I think there was like 20, 20 or 30 or so. They had different power ups you could get, like missiles and etc. They had little hazards on the road, had like oil slicks that would spin you out. You had little speed boosts that would speed you forward. Uh, this was definitely a Mario Kart before Mario Kart was huge. And of course it's, you know, it's, they're not in a cart, they're, they're remote control cars, but, but the same racing style comes into, comes into play. Think, think, think combat. Think combat in the racing. Had a good time with it. Never beat it. Cause again, it gets pissed fucking crazy hard. One and second, I'm not the hugest racing fan. So the, the road hazards and the items and whatnot. I think it actually had an upgrade system as well. I think you could get points 
or something and you could use those to upgrade like your wheels or your engine etc I could be wrong there but I, I, I put a good many hours in RC Pro AM way back in the day it was fun for what so, it was worth reading the article I actually don't think I played this on Nintendo it was part of the rare replay pack this is a rare game Did, do you have the uh, rare replay I game thinking, I was making sure no I don't have it Okay. But, wow. Yeah, so cool. I, I actually played it on as part of that. Good game. Back in the day. Now, was the Rare Replay just actual games brought over, or were they remakes? So, they were not remakes. They were the actual games brought over, but you did have um, some extra settings, so to speak. Like, you'd have saves... I don't know if they actually called them save states or not, but you could save in games you couldn't back in the day. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Small features. Um, similar how, like, the Mega Man collection, you can save at any point. You have save states. Hmm. Um, which still didn't help me beat a single fucking boss. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a really good... I thought it was well worth the money. Um, there are right. a bunch of games I'd never heard of, there were others I had played in the past, which are eluding me at the moment because I can't remember what all was in the pack now. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was a really good purchase, I thought. Cool. Still moving on down the list. Nothing to say about RoboCop. Me neither. I never played it. <laughs> uh, um, there's got to be some good ones in the S's. There's got to be. S's always have a lot well, of I mean, titles. there's two of them. So you I see one. See one, I got Skate or Die. I can definitely talk about Skate or Die. Another one of those games that came with my eight. Out of the fucking blue. Come on, a skateboarding game? Very cool game. Very fun game. It had it it had levels where you would race on a skateboard. It had versus levels. It had combat style levels where you're in like a half pipe and you both had pugilist sticks and you had to try to knock each other off. Uh, liked Skate or Die. You know, I don't know what else to say much about it. It, it had good, interesting skateboard racing slash combat in it, and I had a good time with it. Enjoyed it. Never played the sequel or any of the other ones, if there ever were. Uh, but I liked yeah. Skate or Die. Had a good time with it. It sounds like the title of a Goosebumps book. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Uh, I see Space Harrier 3D. This was, this one was for the Master System. I never, I never had a Master System, nor did I ever play a Master System. My first Sega console ever in experience was Sega Genesis. So I never played that one. Uh, and I think, I think Andy had a Space Harrier, but I don't think it was the second one. Don't think it was the second one. Um. So don't know. No, I don't think so. Splatterhouse, I have never played myself. I always wanted to, and I should go back and play through that one day. I mean, it's got fucking killing monsters and demons and fucking blood everywhere. It's right up my alley. 
the there was a Xbox 360 spiritual successor that I actually have. I've never played it, but I watched a let's play or I watched a review of it. That's actually what made me go buy the game. Just adds more credence to I don't always have to, you know, just because I watch something don't mean that I'm not going to play it. It's on my list. I put money into it and I'll play it eventually. But no, this one, the uh, Spider House original, I haven't played. Super Super C? Super Contra. All right. This says Super Contra, though. This isn't Super C. Uh, it's the shortened title of, uh, when it was, it, it was ported C, to the, yeah. yeah, when it was ported. I'm guessing maybe the same year. I don't know. I played Super C. I never played Super Contra. I mean, it's a Contra game. <laughs> yeah. Side scrolling. I mean, shoot em up. You can only uh, say so much about it. You get upgrades. You kill soldiers, eventually you kill aliens, win the day. Uh, some more little untaught, unheard of titles. Super Mario Bros. 2 and Super Mario Bros. 3. Yep. Both, folks, both released in 1988. Both in October of 88. Wow. October 9th and October 23rd. Now, the reason why this is... Um, some more history lesson, and I won't get all this perfect, but Super Mario Brothers 2 in America is a basically a facelift. It's a face transplant. I'll come up with a title. I'll come up with a fucking phrase. They took a Japanese game called Doki Doki Panic, and they put Mario aesthetics on top of it. They put the characters in it. I think it was just the characters that got poured in. But there you go. Uh, Doki Doki Panic, I think, was released a year or two earlier. I'm not going to fact check that. I could be completely wrong. But either way, it was released in the same same year as Super Mario Bros. 3. Now, what can you tell me about Mario Bros. 2, Chris? Have you played it back in the day? Or did you play it back in the day? I did. Um, okay. I remember the big thing about the Super Mario Bros. game brothers game in general are that they kind of added all the new mechanics so is you had the more 3d-ish levels where you'd have multiple levels of a of the uh, little green hill things um different enemies new enemies mm-hmm. uh were the I'm trying to think of when the PAL blocks came into play. Were they that in the original? Two. Nope. That okay. was two. A lot a lot of there are many aspects of Mario oh, I'm at a loss for words tonight. There are things that you know about Mario characters and Mario the Mario universe today. Some of those were taking taken from Mario Brothers 2. Mm-hmm. Like the PAL block. Uh, like the character Birdo, like the char- like the uh, ability, the differences between the between Mario, Toad, Luigi, and Peach. Like you know, Mario is a rounded character. He he does everything average and he does it all good. Luigi, 
he he jumps higher slash more floaty in his jumps. Toad uh, runs fast. He's he moves quicker. But in Mario Two specifically, he was the fastest at picking things up out of the ground. Yeah. And then Peach, you know, she's known for jumping in the air and floating for a while. All that that you know from newer games today, like Mario 3D World, etc., those traits started back in the day on this game with Mario Brothers 2. Then I was looking at, uh, try, went through the articles real quick, because I was trying to remember when the world map came, and that was with 3. Yep, that was with 3. But, Mario Brothers 2, good game. Uh, definitely a shock whenever you played it back in the day because, I mean, you didn't see the staples that I, I don't remember you. There were any of the original staples. You didn't see Goombas. You didn't see, uh, Koopa Troopas. No Bowser. Uh, no castle levels with spinning fireball <laughs> shits. Uh, pipes, pipes were replaced with doors. You had newer type of enemies, like you fought a fucking rat that threw bombs. You had a three-headed dragon that shot fireballs. You fight no Koopa, no King Koopa. You fought a fucking toad that shot bubbles. I think he shot bubbles. Oh, and uh, everything was a dream. So, spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, I actually didn't know that until, like, a year ago. Someone mentioned on something I was watching, I was like... Oh, really? Because <laughs> I shout never, out, I never beat it. Shout out to another one of our cousins, uh, Ginger. I love you, Ginger. I remember playing this game and Mario Three with her all the time. Uh, I played lots of games with Jughead, a lot of games. But every now and again, when I would go visit them, uh, he wouldn't be there. Like I said, he was busy or working or whatever, and I got to hang out with his younger sister my older girl cousin and even back then it was never in that household where it seemed like everybody would play video games at some degree even when I had to hang out with her it was never like oh I gotta hang out with a girl she was like yeah come on let's go play games and we'd play fucking Mario Brothers 2 or something but I I notably remember Mario Brothers 2 and Mario Brothers 3 being played with her uh, speaking of Mario 3, before I start gabbing about that game, I found the hard way a glitch in that game if you used a game genie. Uh, they had a game genie for the Nintendo, and we had used it just to get infinite lives. This is This is back before even I was good enough to know how to farm for lives. I mean, you can farm lives in Mario 3 easy. I know that now. But back in the day, it was like, oh, you get a fucking game genie, you put this code in, you never run out of lives? Cool, let's never run out of lives. So, me and Ginger, put the, we put a game genie in, and we played this game all night long one night. Had a blast. Went through every single world, every single level. Had a good old time. Got to the end of the game... Bought, fought Bowser, beat Bowser, the game glitched. The game, they intentionally glitched that game to where if you beat it with a game genie, you could not beat the game. It would make the door inaccessible. Wow. No, 
Yeah, normally you would beat Bowser and you had to go you would go into the door and you'd get the yeah. ending credits. If you had a game genie, it knew you had a game genie and would glitch the game and would say, Nope, fuck you. Ah. And I don't think we knew that back in the day. Um this was well before the internet and and all that shit was out. So we thought the ge- we thought we just had a broke game. We thought the game itself was broke. No. It was Nintendo's way of saying, no, <laughs> fuck you, you little cheating piece of shit. But Mario Brothers 3, Nintendo Entertainment System, 1988. Holy shit, what a game. Now, Mario Brothers 2 was a good game, do not misunderstand. But Mario 3, that's when this shit started to skyrocket. That was the first of these games going, holy shit, we are going places. First to have overworld, first to pick multiple levels within a world, first to have, uh, it had new power-ups, the old fireball power-up came back, cool, you had a new power-up which was a leaf and gave you a fucking raccoon ear and tails, who knows why, but who gives a fuck because you can fly with it basically. And that completely changed the game. Yep. Your mobility changed, so it changed the whole game. Yep. Uh, had different, had little rooms you could go into that would let you pick random items. You could get, you could get a star, you could get a fire flower, you could get a leaf, you could get a, uh, uh, the P wing, which was same thing as having the tail, but it was infinite, so you didn't, you didn't, so the way the tail worked is you would have to hold down the run button and after you ran for a certain amount of time, a few seconds, a little meter at the bottom would fill up. When that yeah. meter filled all the way up, you could keep hitting the jump button and you could fly. I don't right. know if actually I don't think you had to hold I think you just hold it down and you flew. But you could you only flew for a few seconds and then it would, you would just start floating down. The P-wing, if you had a P-wing, your meter is always running. So all you had to do was fly. You could you, basically it was a get out of it was a cheat the level. You could just beat the whole level by flying through it. Uh you had a music box which on the world maps there were little enemies that would randomly scuttle around the map and if you ran into it it would throw you into a mini battle with enemies. It could be it could be a couple uh uh fireball shooting enemies. It could be a, a Fireball bros, could be a couple hammer bros, yeah, could be hammer a, bros. some boomerang bros. Uh, and the the music box would put those to sleep so you could walk by them. Uh, every level, every, every, I'm saying that right, there were stages and levels. Every level had a theme. Uh, the Or is it level or worlds? I never get that right. Either way, the first level was a basic, generic, welcome to Mario 3 world. All of them were just generic levels. The second one was a, had a desert theme. So you fought, or you fought, you ran around like desert worlds with pyramids, etc. The third one was a water world. I think the third one was a water world. Sounds about right. Uh, the fourth one was a Cloud world. Oh man, I get them. I get them. It's been a while, folks. I'm sorry. The my my favorite one was the big world. I loved the big world. It was 
a world where every stage, all the enemies, all the pipes, all the blocks, everything was like three times bigger than our than than normal size. Uh, had a good time with all. Had a good time with those levels. My favorite levels. Oh uh, man. Yes. Ch- ch- uh, not only did it change the scope for Mario, but it an, another game that really, really threw Mario onto the light. Like if if, if Nintendo wasn't already popular, if Mario was not already popular, this put it on the map. This is the first Mario that really, really had people going, "Holy shit, these are good, fun, entertaining games." The uh, Wizard movie definitely. Helped, I guess. <laughs> Which was nothing but a commercial for it. If you have played Mario games and you like Mario and you have not went back and played this old school gym, you got to. It's, it's, it's up there. It's definitely up there. Uh, it's actually on my top 15 of all time wall. It is the Mario game that I have picked out of all of them. Yes, over Mario World. Yes, over 64. Haven't played uh, Odyssey yet, so can't say, but it's my it's my favorite one. I love it. It's twenty percent nostalgia, and the rest is it's just a good game. It is it is engineered so well. It's my favorite. Well, anything anything you want to input about Mario Three? No, I mean, I you know I'll admit I don't think I've ever actually beat a Mario game. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do recall playing three a bit. Um, that and World um, were the two I played probably the most. Uh-huh. But like I said, never beat it, so I was always starting over and playing the first few levels again. You know, before I left where I was at, that I was able to play it. I remember loving this game so much that I forget who it was. If I borrowed it from somebody, or somebody had it, or what. But the uh, the old school Nintendo Power style player's guide for this game, I had it in my possession to some degree or another. And in between every world or every level, whatever, in the guide, they had original Nintendo artwork for it. And I would take a pencil and trace over that artwork and then color them in later. Um, I used to make my I used to make my own fucking coloring book basically. I don't know Mario Nintendo. What do you want? Great yeah. shit. Down the list I go, and I see nothing in the T's. Well, wow. hold up. Uh, Tecmo Bowl. Did you ever play that? I. Never played the original Tecmo okay. Bowl. The first Tecmo Bowl I ever came in ta- contact with, uh, Jughead and his dad always played Super Tecmo Bowl. Okay. For their Super Nintendo. But the original one, never played it. Gotcha. I mean, Tetris is on there. Um, that Tetris is Atari. Ar- it's the arcade version. Gotcha. Was an 88. Um, yep. And then NES was 89. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, classic Tetris. Yep. I don't think I ever played Tetris in an arcade. Um, 
I don't think I did, no. Yeah. Uh, don't see. I don't see anything. T U V nope. Wizardry. Never played any wizardries. Zevius Y S. And I've only played one Y S. It wasn't this one. Yeah, I actually want to go back and play that one um, because I have played two of the ones that are on Steam. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back and play because it was a, is an you know typical RPG, old school JRPG, um, however you want to term it. So yeah, I enjoyed it. So I want to go back and play the older ones. That's the good thing about um, the classic RPGs is you don't have to really worry about them aging because if you like that style, not a whole lot changed. Yep. And a lot of games that, well, not not a lot of games, but there are a lot of new games that like to pay homage to the old school games. Yeah. Like, like Nino Kuni, from what I hear, is if you like the old school style RPGs, it's right up your alley. So I hear. But anyway, I think that's it for the list as far as I see. Yep. Next one will be 1989. That'll be a few episodes down the road, but it's coming. Uh, most notable ones from this list for me, especially Mario One. I mean, uh, Mario Two and Three, and Mega Man and Double Dragon definitely come out to mind immediately. Uh, definitely staples of my childhood. Definitely uh, great titles that were pushing up Nintendo in general and putting it on the market, putting it on the map. Especially with 3. Something about 3 just really pushed Mario to transcending levels. Mm. Which only, I mean, they only, it just, it only grew as the years went on. It only grew as the more iterations came along. Mario World, etc., etc. Yeah, and we didn't, we talked a little bit about Mega Drive and Genesis, but 88 was actually when the Mega Drive was released in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not hitting its stride yet. It was a weird time for like me and Chris because we had somebody that had a Genesis and he I was privy to that before I even had my own Nintendo. So it was always it was always I felt like it was the battle was always the Nintendo Entertainment System versus the Sega Genesis, which is crazy because those two should not be fighting each other. That's a eight bit yeah. console and a sixteen bit console, and that that's never really what it was. What it what it really was was the eight bit Master System versus the eight bit Nintendo and the Super Nintendo versus the Sega Genesis. Um, and Nintendo won on both of them. That's just all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> you know, I'm I, sorry. I yeah. I mean, Super Nintendo, that just, that console has, you know, some of the best games of all time. Yep. And Genesis, not so much. Um, like, no joke. And it, I mean, it, it could be, it could be just because of the childhood I had. It could be just a, a tale of what I had compared to what I didn't. But, 
if you're asking me about Nintendo franchises that stayed to this day, you got Mario, you got Donkey Kong, you got Star Fox, and I can stop there. Because when you when I when I tell you about franchises of Sega that are around to this day, I go Sonic. Yep. Can't really think. Yeah, I, I mean gonna... I know I know there's racing games. I know there's Fantasy Star. I know there's a couple other ones, but Nintendo has an entire fucking game that pits all of their franchises together in one game. Yeah, I wasn't even going to go the franchise route. I was just going to say, pick the top 10 games from Super Nintendo and the top 10 games from Genesis. Yep. I'm sure there'd be no contest there. You can stop at 10 in Super Nintendo and still have about 20 more. (laughs) You'll be lucky if you make it to the 5. You'll be lucky if you make it to 10 with Sega. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. And I know there's other arguments to this of fucking what Sega Genesis didn't censor and all that. And say the Genesis has a specific sound processor versus the Super Nintendo. And that's not a good enough argument because there are specific games that the Genesis sound processor fits that it wouldn't fit for the Super Nintendo and vice versa. It's just all at the end of the day. I'm sorry, Nintendo. No, sorry, not sorry. Nintendo just puts out way better games. It's just, yeah. I'm sorry. But we're not going to get into a Super Nintendo versus Nintendo debate right now because there isn't a fucking debate. You mean versus Genesis? Oh, shit. No, it, yeah, there's no debate there. Super Nintendo's better. We're not getting into a <laughs> Nintendo versus Sega Gen- uh, debate either because there's no debate there. I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Let us know what you think. If there's any 1988 shit you want to talk about that we didn't, that we have no idea of, maybe there was something that we passed over that we, maybe we need to go back and play. Anything we talked about in our earlier topics that you would like to add to the input, we love to hear it. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny spelling or numbers, just as it is. We have a Facebook account. You can find us on Facebook in a time cache. Just search for us. Probably how you got here today. You can find us on Twitter in a time cache at Twitter. You can tweet at us. Still have not, nobody has broken my twit cherry yet. <laughs> I've, I'm becoming more disturbed by that the more I say that. You should. I once, <laughs> nobody else says that. Nope. Nobody else. <laughs> just me. But all seriousness, we love to hear your feedback. You're more given this early stage of the uh, end of time cast long touted history we're gonna have. If you're sending an email this early in the stage, you're probably gonna get your email read online or on an episode because we just don't have many right now. So, love to hear some feedback. And if you have a topic you want us to discuss, just feedback you want to tell us we suck, whatever, we'll take feedback of any sort. All we ask in return for anybody and everybody right now, no, we don't have a Kickstarter. No, we don't have a Patreon yet. We may have it down the road. All we ask is that you help us get the word out. Uh, Share us on your Facebook. Tell your friends, family, whatever about us. The more people we have coming here listening to the podcast, the the warm and fuzzier it makes us feel about doing it. We're going to do it anyway. (laughs) So that'll do it for this episode. We'll have another episode coming up in about a week or so. Until then, share us, 
put our word out there and y'all can listen to us next time. And until then, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody.